For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And in spite of the weather across the long weekend, the bank holiday weekend, the Guinness Jazz weekend, numbers apparently uh, smashed it by all accounts. And both the Echo and the Examiner deal with it with lots of great um, um, social picks from across the city, uh, suburbs and county in both papers this morning, which is great. And the organisers are saying, uh, according to Owen Kelleher, that uh, the festival smashed all records and businesses really delighted at the huge numbers attending, the packed out venues uh, and the much needed spending boost to the city. So that's great news. That's a story from the Echo today. I think we're looking at 50,000 attendees is a story from uh, the Examiner and lots and lots of colour photographs of people enjoying themselves and indeed jazz bands doing their thing. So the festival, I suppose to some extent it all has to do with the last few years when there was less by way of socialising and gathering and this really was I suppose the first full-blown, all bells and whistles jazz festival in a few years. So that's great news, both of those stories dominating the papers, which is good. On top of that, of course, we had the return of the dragon uh, on Shandon. I was chatting with Colm O'Sullivan just a few minutes ago. He was up there and he said it was a fantastic event, the 17th year of it, and a welcome return to the streets of Cork with the dragon of Shandon, and that features in this morning's Echo. But you did hear a little clip there in the news from Katrina Toomey at Cork Penny Dinners because she makes the front of the Echo today, which she says, more and more people are being driven to money lenders. They never went away, of course, money lenders, but more prevalent now again uh, than ever before. And she talks of one particular woman who recently presented to Penny Dinners for food supplies, explaining that it was her only option because whatever few bobs she had was being used to pay back to money lenders. Uh, and this is a family in employment. And she says she'll have to go to three, she'll have to go three or four weeks now without being able to buy any food supplies in order to get back on a financial even keel, if you like, and pay off the money lenders. And it's food from Cork Penny Dinners that will help her uh, to, uh, you know, it's a balancing act, really. It's, it's a tightrope. Apparently, Katrina said that she took the woman's uh, grocery list to ensure that herself and her children have everything they need for the coming weeks. Uh, and you know, these are the kind of cases that they deal with. Not just a one-off, but they make plans for people on an ongoing basis. So driven to money lenders is a front pager. Meanwhile, of course, nearly 650,000 families will get the double child benefit this week in the one-off payment that we know about. And of course, also from today, people will start seeing the €200 Euro electricity bill credit going into accounts from today as well uh, to over 2.2 million accounts from today. And that's bill pay and pay-as-you-go customers. So it's a story that makes the papers this morning, particularly in the, in the mail today. And, and if you put it in perspective, actually, or in, in terms of real life, independent this morning, look at just basics like chicken, milk and cheese. 20% dearer in most supermarkets since February of this year. And if you were to say that about everything in your life, 20% dearer at least, I mean, I know fuel costs will be even higher again. Um, It's very hard for people who would have been just about getting by, say, 12 months ago. In other stories today, of course, there's an awful lot of chaos. And I would describe it as chaos with regards to traffic in in Cork City or trying to get around the city or trying to get across the city because there's never been more roadworks and lane changes and bicycle lanes and widening footpaths. I don't know. And, of course, the right turn across Christie Ringbridge is causing an awful lot of, um, you know, hassle for people. And, you know, it just it's just a complete and utter dose. I mean, you're looking at all sorts of changes in the city, but one in particular 
is the uh, ban on the right turn on Christie Ring Bridge. And I see that Thomas Gould has called on City Council now uh, to revisit the right turn ban over Christie Ring Bridge uh, because it's causing all sorts of chaos, particularly uh, Lavitt's Key and up the keys in general. That's a stupid, stupid rule. I don't know what the story is there, but it's just taken longer and longer to get across. And then you're also hearing of more and more incidents of road rage or horns blowing and all sorts of stuff like that. The things that the Guardi have to put up with, well, uh, all of the papers today look at crime during lockdown. The stats for 2021. And bear in mind that four in ten Garda stations see crime rise in 2021 despite the fact that we had lockdowns and there was less and less people moving around in 2020 and indeed 2021. So the areas of um, you know worry in Ireland with regards to crime are things like public order offences, dangerous driving, burglary, theft, criminal damage, fraud, drugs and uh, the big one consistently uh, alongside burglary is assault or threats of assault. Fraud is on the increase, interestingly, well up. Um, But they break it down then per Garda station, every single Garda station on the independent.ie. You can go online and and click into your own one. I had a quick look at Anglesey Street this morning for 2021. 2,356 reported offences. And these are the ones, of course, that come to the attention of Van Garda Shikona. And assaults and threats and drugs are the two big ones. You've got 255 uh, offences regarding drugs, 235 uh, involving assaults and threats. And then you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of public order offences like, you know, acting the maggot and doing the fool and being annoying or, you know, kind of threatening behaviour like that. that. That comes in at just under 900. And then you have theft and, and fraud and dangerous driving and criminal damage and drugs is on the increase as well. Uh, so that's just a typical example of, uh, and that would be one of our, our bigger guard stations in Ireland, of course, Anglesey Street. I went through every single one of them. Well, I tried to. I didn't get to all of them, but the time that I got through, I tried to find a guard station somewhere in Ireland that had zero assaults. um, And I gave up about halfway through it. I mean, there were counties in Ireland, don't get me wrong, where there was, you know, only like in an entire year, 30 to 35 crimes. Uh, But um, they're all broken down in the papers today. One crime, of course, that could lead to two years jail is if people are burning too much turf. And I know this is very much a rural story because people still do uh, burn turf. But people who burn too much of it could face two years jail under a new regulation that came into force yesterday. How they'll enforce it, I have absolutely no no idea. You're allowed to burn it, but if you burn too much of it, you'll be fined and you could face up to two years in jail. But how are you going to prove it? Like, I mean, how are you actually going to prove unless the neighbours are going to be shopping each other or calling some kind of hotline? saying that such and such a fellow down the road has got a rick of turf that's way too big and he's lashing through it at an unmerciful rate. But there you have it. TDs in rural Ireland are expected to kick back over this new law. One would wonder whether it's too little too late and they should have been doing it long before now. Uh, Sadly, another very, very sad death, um, courtesy of the cervical smear scandal. And that is the passing of Lindsay Bennett. Uh, And all of the papers of the weekend were dominated by this. Um, And I know that uh, they have a lot of coverage this morning. Some beautiful photographs of Lindsay Bennett throughout her life as as a young girl, as a girl going out with her friends, as a young mum. And the campaign that she went to just make sure that when she was gone, that she would be providing 
for her family when she passed away. And of course, she did pass away. And we had sad photographs yesterday of her funeral. And all of the papers talk of that again this morning. In, in other news, and I know from time to time we look at traditions in Ireland. And indeed, we had a lot of spooky stories regarding ghost stories on Friday's programme. And people in graveyards and what have you. But it was quite interesting, a story in the mail this morning from the UK, where they're saying if the Pope... For those who are followers of the Catholic faith, if the Pope were to instruct or indeed advise or resurrect, don't eat meat on Friday, it would have a huge impact on our carbon emissions. They're saying, because way back in the day, like not eating meat on Friday was very much traditional in Ireland for a long, long time. They're saying that it started to kind of ease off or wane kind of from the back end of the 1960s onwards. But it started in medieval times until at least the mid-60s uh, when the rules on fasting were released, were, were relaxed. It would have been uh, fish on Friday was the deal. It doesn't really happen so much anymore. Although I imagine there are probably people listening to me who still do it. But they're figuring if, if there was a change and it was, say, meat-free Fridays, that the carbon emissions in the UK would reduce by 55,000 tonnes a year. And that would be the equivalent, to put it in perspective for us, to 82,000 return flights between Dublin and New York. 82,000 return flights between Dublin, like 82,000 airplane emissions between Dublin and New York annually. If we, well, if, if people in the UK anyway uh, were to stop eating meat on Friday. And we, you know, we also look at the world as it does change. And the Collins Dictionary has brought out some new words now that have entered the dictionary for the very first time. One of them is a word called permacrisis. So it's a brand new word. It's nothing to do with climate change. It has to do with the permanent crisis of people living through war, inflation, political instability and and climate change. But you know you hear of permafrost, but permacrisis is that we live in times now of permanent crisis. There are other words in there. Um, understandably, party gate has come into the Collins Dictionary for the first time. So has warm bank. Apparently, I didn't know it, but a warm bank is a heated building like a library or a place of worship where people kind of go and uh, get heat. You know, if they can't put on their own heating at home that can go and be warm in, a, in a, a warm bank. Other ones include quiet quitting, which enters the dictionary for the first time. That is the act of doing just your basic duties at work and no more. It's called quiet quitting. A new one also is the term vibe shift. And that has to do with the you know ever-changing culture that we live in. And we, we are going through lots of vibe shifts generationally at the moment. You know, young people looking at the world very differently to those that went before them. So vibe shift is another word that makes the Collins Dictionary. And the papers also tell us, and I love this one, it was a 2FM survey um, with regards to the um, most popular Irish songs ever. And they break it down into a top 20. I won't have time to go through them all now, but hopefully a little later on this morning. But the number one ultimate Irish song on the ultimate Irish playlist, if you were to have a playlist on your Spotify or whatever, they've listed the 20 most popular songs from people who love Irish music and listen to Irish music. And the Cranberries, Zombie, is number one. And interestingly, in spite of everybody getting, well, not everybody, but a certain section of society getting it all in a tizzy every time Christmas comes around and the likes of myself 
and I play the Pogues Fairy Tale of New York unedited. People say, ah, that song shouldn't be played anymore, should be banned. It came in at number two in the survey. So the Cranberries with Zombie at one, the Pogues Fairy Tale of New York number two, Thin Lizzy, the boys are back in town at three, the Saw Doctors, N17 at four, and Aslan's Crazy World at five. If you're asking if you two made it in, they did at number six with the Streets of No Name, Sinead O'Connor's absolute classic uh, nothing compares to you, which possibly should be higher on the list. Comes in at number seven, um, and then we got other ones: uh, the Undertones, Teenage Kicks, and Bagatelle's "Summer in Dublin." You don't hear that anymore. That was a great song, wasn't it? So that's the top ten. I'll give you the other ten a little later on this morning. But they also did a survey as to. I remember doing this six months ago on the air, talking about the funniest clips in television comedy ever. And I remember talking about the fact that it was um, the scene between Del Boy and Trigger standing in the wine bar where <laughs> where Del Boy says to Trigger, play it nice and cool, son, play it nice and cool. And he leans back on what he thinks is the bar counter. And of course, it's the flap of the bar counter, which had been opened unbeknownst to him. And Del Boy goes down like a sack of spuds. So that is the most popular and funniest um, comedy scene bar none if you'll pardon the pun the other ones were uh, The Vicar of Dilby uh, Dibley I know nothing about that show so I can't really say Dad's Army came in at number three Faulty Towers they're saying um, which which scene from Faulty Towers are you asking Basil thrashing his car with a branch do you remember it <laughs> he completely when he completely lost the plot there are others in there as well including Father Ted at number 10 but by all accounts and rightly so at number 1 Del Boy falling through the bar there are other colliery stories making the papers so I'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning lines open text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 play it nice talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818104106 Cork's Red FM ok I think we're one of the best jazz Fridays in a long long time on Friday on the show I think possibly our best Friday jazz ever it was just great fun and it was great to have so many bands in and so many people enjoying it and all sort of the great Len McCarthy in playing saxophone in fact his daughter got in touch and says thank you for having Len McCarthy on your show on Friday I'm a very proud daughter listening to him play on your show this morning it's such a shame that there was nowhere to go and listen to him over the weekend especially when we've lost so many great Cork and Irish musicians over the last number of years we should be making sure we support those that have been there from the beginning. Well, well said. And then even neighbours from Shan Ballymore got in touch. I'm, in, I'm a neighbour of Lens and a very good friend he is. He's a true legend and deserves all the accolades he got on Friday morning. Everybody in Cork needs to hear Len playing, a fantastic ambassador for Cork jazz and for Cork music. Um, and then there are other people talking about, um, you know, back in the day when you know, we had uh, the start of the jazz, which began in the Metropole, very small on a Sunday morning. Um, and Tony Sheehan from the Triscoll Arts Centre says, I used to go to the Met on a Sunday as a young fella, and we played Len, who was then playing with Harry and Friends, to play Take Five. And I played Len's version of, of Take Five's, uh, Five on Friday's programme uh, to plague him to play it. One week, they eventually relented 
They all blessed themselves before starting to play it. It was that difficult to play. And then I even got some text saying, can you tell us the name of the jazz player who was talking to you on air on Friday morning? That was the great uh, Cork jazz saxophonist, uh, Len McCarthy. Just want to say how much I enjoyed listening to the gentleman you were speaking to. What a fantastic musician. That piece, Take Five, has always been one of my favourites and he played it so well. Uh, Also a very entertaining gentleman to speak to. I've really enjoyed the show, says Marika. So that's just a selection from Friday. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope you guys did as well. And you know what? If it was over 50,000 on Lee side, it's a bit like the Jaws movie. You know, they're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger city if things continue to power on on Lee side. But unfortunately, um, for some, it's the end of the road. And I was telling you about bunnies closing their doors last week. And I was telling you about porters also. After many, many decades on Lee side, you go into porters for everything and anything. And they always had it. And I remember years ago, they'd put aside magazines and they'd put aside you know, if there was a difficult one that you had to get in from the UK or whatever, they'd source it for you. It's easier now in the online world. Uh, but these were the kind of attention to detail services that businesses like Porters did. Then over the weekend, Corkbio listed some more closures in Cork and the surrounding areas. And they confirmed seven. Amongst them was the Bella Roma Pizzeria in Yall. They also list Bunny Canellas in Myrtleville. Um, East Cork got a bit of a hammering. The brunch in Delhi in Yall as well closed. Up in Canturk, the family butchers, Cronins, which have been there for many, many years, closed their door. Uh, the Tasty Corner in Cove also closed. Uh, Stuffed Olive in Bantry actually were showing their uh, electricity bills and gas bills over the weekend. Um, and I even saw the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry showing electricity bill that landed on their doorstep and the uh, and Corpio had it 18,000 euro uh, for that month alone that's the craziness of it but let me go back to La Bella Roma pizzeria and Italian restaurant in Yaw because a regular contributor uh, to our program down through the years is Luigi uh, the owner of La Bella Roma pizzeria in Yaw I always loved to visit there because he did great um, he did great uh, Italian pasta dishes, particularly with clams when they were in season. But it is no more by all accounts. Luigi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? It must be very sad for you because you worked so hard at it. How come you decided yeah, to say, I've got to close? Why? Look, it's been, oh, this is eight years, eight years in Bella Roma. Um, look, I learned a thing or two. Um, this let's say this is not my first rodeo I've been through a recession back uh, in when I moved in Ireland in 2006 you know like I I started to work as an um, um, executive chef then the recession stepped in the people I was working for just went busted um, you know I started uh, after that I started kind of my own business I just went um, kind of upgrading during the years from small business to bigger business. Then pandemic came, you know, like I, I kind of went through the pandemic. But um, when I look at things and I make a, some sort of projection in the next three, two, three years, I don't see myself um, being able uh, to, 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 to mm. come out of this, you know, like mm. it's... Uh, I know, I know what I make in a in a winter season. You know, like a, it's never going to happen that my takings will double for some reason or another. No so matter what you I do, know. you're not a magician. You know, every winter yeah, what the numbers you know, like are going to be. They're similar. There is an average of money that I've been doing consistently in the last fifteen years. So when my electricity 
unit cost goes from 18 cents to 48, and you start to think a bit like, uh, you know, like I estimated that I might pay seven to 10,000 euro extra in electricity. So from 18 cent a unit to 48 is two and a half times. You're not going to make two and a half half times anything in the winter. I I can't charge people of y'all. I can't put these on on my customer's shoulders. I can't. I just can't. So my only way out of this is downsizing, you know, halving the amount of equipment, um, uh, less rent, uh, less rates, you know, like trying to to take all this money that I save to use it towards these, these price increases. Even my flower, this is stupid. My flower went from 22, 23 for 25 kilos to 36. This is the last email I got. Um, and that's now, a staple now for pizza and pasta, flour. Yes, so you can't pass now, that on on the plate. But you know what really worries me? That this price increase will eventually to the supermarkets and then once take an average family you know like even below that let's say below average where you know the money you earn allows you to get to the end of the month once people have to cough up 100 150 euro extra a week because sugar is up whatever travels on wheels nowadays we go up in price yes that's it's right fact, yeah. you know if it travels so whenever, on wheels, yeah, yeah. whenever it's sugar I'm not talking about luxury items you know like an expensive smoked salmon an expensive cut of meat I'm talking about basic things like eggs bread sugar flour you know like this will eat a normal the people that in a way we're struggling before these things weren't easy anyway. You know, it's not that everybody was swimming in wealth. Well, if you were a corporate, probably, you know, maybe because you pay less taxes than everybody else. And, you know, like, it's, it's easier. But was it, was it also made more difficult for you that it, because you were, everything was fresh and made in store? I mean, you weren't buying in frozen or pre-prepared. This is what, this is what made me successful during the years. You know, I buy potato, carrot, onions, flour, butter, eggs, sugar, every day. We bake what we have to bake, we cook what we have to cook, we sell it and we start all over again. Yeah, yeah. Now... uh, That's the passionate way of doing it. It's very sad also as well, isn't it? And and I'm thinking this is going to happen more, that businesses managed to hang in there during COVID. I know there were pandemic payments for for staff and, and business supports and they got through it. But then, of course for whatever reason, and they're blaming the war in Ukraine, and nah, the, look, the, the, this, they come this a cropper sense, now. Yeah, there was this kind of false sense of security where, that everybody had when they said, oh, look, this is over, everything will go back to normal. Now, if you go back in history, this event we're living nowadays resembles very much what happened already in the past, and that is World War II. World War II, all the war, world was involved in a war. Factories were closed. Supply chain was disrupted. People were locked at home. You know, like it was a disaster. Then when the war finished, everybody went back home. Everybody wanted to go back uh, to normal. But guess what? Not all the factories reopened. Uh, the supply chain took two, three years to be re-established. Does it remind you of anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we we probably would have bounced back much, much faster. I mean, the, well, the issues you're having primarily are the cost of everything. But yeah, that always yeah. goes back to 
fuel costs and distribution yeah, costs, oil, gas, electric. And Russia and NATO could have been avoided, in my opinion, could have been easily avoided through diplomacy and talking, but it seems like... It's the well, last you can't talk to a madman. I mean, bear that in mind, you know, you just can't. It's a... Uh, I don't know who do you refer when you say madman. All right. Well, well that that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, no, so exactly. so so are you just I know that I know that recently Bunny Canellan's closed, but they said they were just putting bunnies to sleep until the storm passes. Yeah. Do you see yourself coming back? Oh, of course, of course. Look, as I said, this is not my first rodeo. It's all in there, it's all in my mind, it's all planned. I already know what's gonna happen. I have a, I, I, to to be honest, I'm so grateful to all the people that supported me through the years and made me who I am in y'all nowadays. You know, like, I, I, I wouldn't be here without all the inhabitants of y'all. The yeah. people that yeah. supported me during the pandemic, that supported me during the recession, they keep supporting me. They, they, they send me emails saying, oh, Jesus, I'm devastated. You know, like, you, I will come from Dublin to eat a, like a bowl of pasta. I will come from Galway during my holidays and, and knowing that I was coming to your restaurant. Even people in Yol, they stop me and they're asking, what's next? You know, it's going to be a different tri- type of trade. I, I need to cut my costs today. But you see, like, if everybody does this, yes, a business survives. But when I have to not employ two, three, four people as usual, that will affect things anyway. Because mm-hmm. three, four people won't have a job, won't have an income, won't be spending money in town. And it's kind of a vicious circle. Like, all I can do for myself, I could, I wanted just to close down. That's it. No more. I just want, because I'm sick after the, the pandemic it was the, the the hardest thing I've done in my life, you know, like being there and, and, and dealing with what we had to deal with, thinking that at the end of it would have been a reward, but no. So at the end of the day, I said, what do I do? Now, I don't want to just stay home and do nothing, you know. I love to. So what I will you do? Think... Will you open in the spring, the summer? No, look, I'm will you continue waiting. to pay rent on the promise, premises? No, the, this is, I am just took the last piece of my kind of belongings out of La Bella Roma. I relocated in another place in town, is in number 72. We're just going to reopen as a daily. We're going to open as a takeaway pizza, yeah, pasta place. Yeah. There's going to be a bakery, pastry, coffees. I cut down my stuff to one person. So it's just going to be me and, and one guy. Just totally rent, rent is way, way cheaper than, than before. That's giving me a bit of peace of mind. You know, like that, that kind of letting me feel okay. like yeah. I can go through this, you know, I can then go on for another year or two because as a, this can't last forever, you know, like uh, eventually it will wear out uh, um, somehow, I hope, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's um, I think it's when it, when it comes to economics, I know Ukraine is playing a big part in this, but when it comes to economics, you know, we have this bubble that grows, 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 and then it bursts. And then we start all over again, mm. and then the economy gets better, people start to spend money again, interest rates go down. You know, it's like a cycle. But uh, I think what we're living now, these times, it's it's so surreal. You know, as you were saying, COVID, and now we got this crisis with petrol, and diesel is more expensive, and electricity and gas. I mean, we never experienced, especially in a society that we're living nowadays, where we experience change. 
Okay. No, we don't Line, like the, the line's breaking up on me uh, at this stage, Luigi. Uh, yeah. I just I just wanted to touch base with you. So it's a scaled down version, and who knows in a new location, and who knows what will happen in the future with regards to you scaling up again. Do you do you think do you think that there will be others like you? I mean, Corpio had a list of those just over the past week or so that were decided. Do you think that that list I've will continue seen, to? Go? I've seen places in our favorite restaurant in 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 Wexford. There is so many places that I saw on, on Facebook and on the news in in Dublin. I have a few places that I used to love to go. Yeah, but what a lot of restaurants too. have done is they've they don't open on Mondays or or Tuesdays, yeah, yeah, or they don't open for lunch anymore. Yeah, yeah, still. Really makes uh, you know this is a good idea because you're cutting your your electricity bills and and this. But will you take enough money to go to uh, you know this this? Will you you know okay. what I mean when yeah. you open? Because everybody now nowadays you know every family let's say they're probably going to have to spend the three four hundred euros extra a month between petrol electricity. So bills. they mightn't have to spend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not that the government is telling these people, look, that money extra is coming out of your pocket. Somehow we will help you. You know, it's like it's it's not happening at the moment. Yes, they might throw a couple of hundred euros here with the electricity and there, but. Uh, you know, I, I just give you a quick example. We filled the oil tank last year for 500 and something euros, maybe 600 euros, a full tank. We filled half of it this year for 570. My God. You know what I mean? And My it's just God. two of us and the baby. That's 100 euros. That's 100% increase. You know Listen, what I, mean? like I know, I know, I know, I know. It ain't, it ain't easy, my friend. I just wanted to just touch base with you. Um, sad news nice, as it is. Nice to talk to you. And Your bongole will be there if next summer. Unfortunately, I can't sit you in the garden or in a fancy restaurant. Well, you look after yourself and hopefully come back again. I will. Uh, I we'll will. have bongole together in the summer of 2023, all right? It was nice to talk to you. Thank you very okay, much for Okay, Chef, take care. Thanks, Luigi. Thank O'Sullivan uh, is at uh, Greenwich uh, Cafe down on Caroline Street. We were posting, actually, the closures of, uh, of restaurants, a lot of it due, of course, to uh, uncontrollable costs over the weekend. And he, he responded, Dermot, good morning. Uh, morning, how are you? I'm good. Um, the place to go for the Reuben sandwich, if I remember correctly, last time we chatted. Um, what, 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 what did you make <laughs> so, of Luigi's yeah. story? Do you think there'll be many more like that and, and bunnies and stories like that? Um, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it, it's inevitable really over the next couple of months you'll see more of that. Um, you know, uh, it it definitely is right, yeah. So uh, not not just you know, the utilities costs, but also staffing's a problem, isn't it? Just can't get workers. Uh, yeah, I mean you have you have those uh, dual effect, right? Yeah, the costs of it and the staffing as well. Um, you know, I, I think that is two of them are really playing uh, its part, right? In, in the industry, the minute, right? Yeah. And why aren't people working? Um, is it that just the pay isn't great or is it that I'm finding an awful lot of younger people who would be in the hospitality market have left or are leaving the country? I suppose it's a mixture of everything really uh, coming out of COVID. Uh, a lot of people have left industry, retrained within other sectors and stuff like that as well. Um, so that's the, the main impact at the minute. Uh, but it, it's quite difficult to find people right. Yeah, I mean, you have you have that dual effect right for, for sure, you know. What about interventions though from the government? There are some... Will there be enough? Um, I, I think there's there's been some uh, positive highlights, right? But I think uh, you know we need to monitor the situation as it goes uh, through the winter and so forth, and see how things are going from there, and to to react accordingly. Like, but uh, I, I think yeah, I think the government definitely needs to do a bit more, right? 
uh, over the next couple, uh, the couple of months, all right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you been getting alarming electricity and gas bills? Um, yeah, I mean, like every every other business, we have uh, we've seen it right. The ESV uh, at gas, uh, all all our kind of ingredients and, and everything has gone up. But uh, yeah, like every other business, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's um, it's you know, it's it's tough times, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. But this this weekend just gone. How was that? The jazz weekend of the city. Were you open? Clearly, you would have been open. Uh, yeah, we we were open. Yeah, we had we had a great jazz again. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very busy. It was great to see a great buzz around the city, you know, and people coming back into the city again. So yeah, we had a good weekend of it, right? Yeah, okay. yeah we've made turn we up here now. We're just, we're looking forward as well to Christmas as well, you know. So okay. So would would the jazz weekend be a good indicator? Because if there was fifty thousand plus people, that was people with money to spend. So there 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 would seem to be money there if they can, or maybe maybe the jazz weekend is just special. Um, well, we did we did a great weekend out of it anyway. Uh, it was a great benefit to us, you know. It was a great benefit to the city as well, from what I could have seen. Uh, people were out and about, and you know, it, it brought people into the city. So yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was very good for us. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, but well, you're going to need the Christmas yeah. lights as well. Is there any updates on that? Do you know? Um, not that I know of. Anyway, I haven't heard anything about it. But look, we're looking forward to Christmas anyway. You know, it's, it'll be a busy time for us. All right, my man. Well, good luck with it going forward. Yeah, I think we. All we'll, right. Cheers for now. We will have Christmas lights, but maybe at a restricted switch on and switch off. Text 0868104106. Bearing in mind as well, um, and and I know it's only a sop really, and you know it probably is better than nothing, but it's not much in the scale of things. The first two hundred euro electricity bill credit goes into accounts today, uh, and if you have children, of course, the double child benefit payment. It's a once-off, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, you know something. Uh, it ultimately will cost 170 million, and uh, it will go into bank accounts from today. Uh, there will be more uh, and other lump sum payments that will be uh, announced, and we'll get the dates uh, as they're rolled out. And that would be the there's a 400 euro lump sum fuel allowance payment, and there's a 200 euro payment for people living alone, and then there's a 500 euro payment for carers, and then there's 500 euro support for people with disabilities and a 500 euro payment for those in receipt of working family payments. And then, of course, you've got the Christmas bonuses that will be paid in December. Text 0868104106, back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Somebody suggesting by text that an awful lot of people just turn right on Christie Ring Bridge anyway and they ignore the fact that they're not supposed to and apparently people are turning uh, right. So it's an interesting one. Others then are suggesting, you know, you talk about the double uh, payment for children's allowance, that it should be means tested and it would go further if it were means tested because you'd have way too many people. Like here's a typical example of this. I think the bonus children's allowance should have been means tested. Uh, There are doctors and dentists and accountants and solicitors and how many more professionals that are getting this and they're not anywhere near struggling. I heard Cork Airport had one of its busy weekends with people travelling for midterm. So where's the shortage for some people? How in God's name is all this money going to be repaid? One way of starting would have been to means test the bonus. Maybe means test children's allowance. What are your thoughts on that? Text 0868 104 106. Uh, more, more on travelling in and out of Cork because I really saw it firsthand on Friday afternoon. I'll talk about that a little later on when I was getting a train at Kent Station to observe the amount of people actually coming into Cork 
for the Jazz Weekend. Mind you, I do see a texter saying, giving the Jazz Weekend as an example, as Neil did, about the fact that there's money around, is a poor harbinger of how things are. Because the Jazz Weekend occurs at the end of the month, and the end of the month is when a lot of people are paid and that's when they have the cash. OK, good point, Pat, and thank you for it. Text 0868104106. But I do have some good news. The last time I spoke to Con Luxford, they were wondering and they were, um, you know, contemplating whether or not they would turn and do the lights again this year at their family home in Toker. Uh, Con's come back to me this morning to say that it is going to happen and that's a great relief to everybody because it's an incredible display of Christmas lights and Con joins me by phone. Con, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are we doing? I'm well, my friend. And how's yourself and Aileen? Oh, we're great, we're great, great. So you <laughs> Bit of news anyway for you. Yeah, you've decided to do it because you were contemplating not. We were indeed because of the costs that we're, we're entailing on, on, on us now because we're pensioners now also as the two of us. With the cost and, of electric uh, to light it all, and I electric, know. electricity yeah. and um, we decided uh, so many people has come up and asked us individually, are we going to plan the lights, are we going to plan the lights, are we going to plan the lights and we decided yes we will, we will go ahead. Do you have again. any idea what the cost last year would have been typically on your electricity bill? Uh, 500 extra. <laughs> Was it? So you're, you're anticipating that to be at least twice that then, is it? Yeah, well, around, around that, yeah. Yeah, around that. Okay. And does so. that frighten you at all? Uh, it does, but uh, we observe it. Meet uh, the Canadian observers also, and uh, we put no, we put nothing on every t- every penny that comes in goes to penny the most. And that's There's so important. One. You're not deducting the cost of the electric off the proceeds no. of the fundraiser. You pay for it yourself. Not one cent comes into our pockets. Every cent that comes in through that pocket on the wall goes straight to Katrina Toomey. And we're delighted to be able to do that on, on our behalf of our Katrina. Yeah, well, you heard me saying a little earlier on uh, that Katrina Toomey is talking about the number of families who are turning to money lenders, some uh, to even more than one money lender. Unfortunately, it is, it's, so, it's so prevalent today that things that are going going on with the way that things are expiring out of, out of control altogether. Is our government ever going to get a hold of these things and bring, bring back the, 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 the way it was, you know? So, uh, I know, I know. A lot, a, lot of it, a lot of it, they'd say, is out of their control, I suppose, you know? It is indeed, it is But indeed. I, I don't but, accept for a moment that the inability to build houses and homes for people is out of their control. I think that could easily no. be fixed and could have been for many years. Well, the corporation never stood uh, stood over that when they were doing it. They should have kept going with, with what they were doing when they worked with the Cox City Council. As you know, I worked with the refuse, the collections. Yeah. But they, they, they had the, 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 the building side of it as well. They did. And they, and they, were, they employed direct labour, didn't they, the corporation? They did indeed. They did indeed. And they, they built had, housing um, estate after housing estate after a housing estate. They didn't. They did over two thousand, as far as I know, in the in the building trade side of it. I know. And then so, it's like as if somebody said, no gun. "Yeah, there's like somebody said, there's a better way of doing it." And of course, there wasn't. 
<laughs> there certainly is not. Then there's only one way, and that was the, the way they were doing it to be able to afford uh, housing there for for people that can't afford to buy their own houses. And it's it's tragically what's going on. I know. I, know. I mean, you've all the refugees now coming and looking for houses as well. My God, I don't know how they're able to cope with us. It's a perfect storm, my friend. But you will yeah. do your little bit to help again this year. Uh, in memory of your beautiful daughter Katrina who, who passed away in what is she is, she, is it five years now six? five years now coming five up years. yeah yeah. Neil I'm asking for a small bit of help she loved Christmas well, Katrina did how, how are you looking for help my friend I tell you now uh, there's uh, some of the reindeers uh, the lights are gone on the reindeers that we put out in the garden and we're asking is there any companies out there two companies to step in and buy two reindeers for us they're over 200 euros each and Jim Hanley would have them outside if they, if somebody wanted to donate two reindeers to us for to put into the garden for their children. Okay, so you, know, you so need to, the you're, they're, they're, they're gone beyond their best before date and you need two new reindeers that cost 200 yeah. each. They're, they're over 200 each, you see, and on top of the price that we have electricity is, we can't afford to replace them at this, at this stage, you know. I know. And they are central to the display, aren't they? You need oh, reindeers. Oh, oh, we do indeed. We do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a that's what the children come up to I look know, at. They come, know, up to look at the, they come up to look at the reindeers and they come up to look at the crib. The, the crib that Jim Hanley gave us. Didn't Jim Hanley sponsor and give you a crib a few years back? He did indeed. He did indeed. And it was brilliant. And it is brilliant. And we love putting it out every year. And we love it. Uh, he loves doing up the the arts around okay, the, around yeah, the trip. Yeah. So and, two uh, two new reindeers. They're vital now to the project, and they're two hundred euro each. Is it? And Jim has them in stock, does he? Jim would have them. I'd say yeah. Okay. At this stage, yeah. Okay. All right. And if Jim wouldn't, if Jim doesn't, Jim would be able to get them for us. Okay. When are you turning the lights on? We're hoping to turn around either around the 17th or the 21st of November. Okay, so a few weeks' time. Okay, so we yeah. have time, don't we? I'll tell you what, oh Con, God, I'll tell yeah. you what I'll do. I'll, tell you what, I'll buy one of the reindeers for you if somebody listening buys the other. How about that? Oh, that'd be lovely. I would appreciate that. And <laughs> we hate asking anybody to don't, help. Don't, us, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be shy to ask. I mean, it has to be done. We have to have it right. Is the memory yeah. of your beautiful daughter and the proceeds every year go to Katrina Toomey. So we don't want it to cost you anything. And then people will come along and throw their few bob in the bucket from the second week in November up to up to Christmas Eve or afterwards. Isn't that the deal? That's quite correct. And if anybody wants to come to the house itself and give us money for to give Katrina Toomey without putting her into the bucket, we can do that as well All for right. them. Okay. Okay, well, let's. Let, I'm delighted to get an update from you that the lights will go up. We need The two reindeers have retired, so we need to get two new young uh, reindeers to take their place. Jim Hanley has them in the Christmas shop. They're 200 euro each. Let's see who wants to contribute to that, and we'll get that across the line for now. Okay. And I'll come back to you then with the exact days of the delights going on. Good man. You. Okay. And just get on to Jim Hanley and make sure he puts two aside for you anyway. So get that part of the deal done, all right? I will indeed, Neil. Thank you. I right, appreciate if you take the phone call here to listen to us again. Not at all. Not and at we appreciate all. everybody coming to, to view the crib.
Okay, looking forward to it. So I'll be out for a slice of Christmas cake and a warm cup of tea. More than welcome, more than welcome. All right. Okay, let's see how we go with that. We'll stay in touch with the con. Regards to you and to Aileen. Get in touch with Jim Hanley and just make sure he has two in stock. He's a good guy. He won't let you down. If you want to help, lads, you can text 0868104106. It's important. Traditions are important. And this time last month, we didn't even know whether or not the Luxfords were going to turn the lights on, but at least they are. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. He's talking about the turning right onto uh, Christie Ringbridge and I was talking about the more reports of road rage that we've been having on the air of late. The standard of driving around the city is very poor. People concentrating on everything else except their driving. I've come across a number of drivers recently in the city centre. No L plates, no N plates, but clearly they could not drive. People with mobile phones up on the dashboard, messaging and reading messages. When driving, the only thing on your mind should be driving, says Cahill. And so say all of us, particularly in the city these days, when it's harder and harder to navigate. And says it's unreal. And worse again, after opening up after COVID, uh, I'm going to have to invest in a camera for the car because you see some crazy stuff. Nobody would believe what I see on the road, says Anne. Jeff says, how is it always the young people's fault um, um, that they're automatically labelled as scumbags if they're wearing tracksuits. Um, you could have an old man shouting abuse and deserving to get a slap, but nobody talks about that. It's only the young fellas in the tracksuits who are automatically labelled scumbags. Interesting texts uh, on 0868104106. Um, and keep them coming. Throughout the course of the morning, I'll dip into uh, other calls and texts from different topics of conversation. We're talking about the term... Um, you know, throwing a paddy last week, which is rather insulting a term to uh, uh, to use against the Irish. And you know, we we also told you of other ones that were used down through. We, we even we did it ourselves, and others would use the term if something was wrong or didn't make sense, or you know, we'd say oh, that uh, that that's a bit Irish, no longer acceptable. But but I did get texts on this and said regarding the phrase throwing a paddy. Every country has their own sayings. How many times have we called our bosses a bit of a Nazi? or called someone who came back to Ireland from London a West Brit. And what about all the stuff we call Americans? We're well able to give it, so we should be able to take it as well. Stop being Egypt's rant over. Anne says there's nothing to see here with regards to throwing a paddy. And it was asking what people's interpretation of was of, you know, throwing a paddy. It's someone having a hissy fit, being a bit of a brat, not getting their own way. I heard it from different English people. We don't use the phrase here, but they do use it in the UK still. It means throwing your toys out of the rather the pram, for God's sake. It means being stubborn. It is globally used, throwing a paddy. So thank you for those guys. There's always an answer. Uh, and all I got to do is ask. Thank you for that. Text 0868104106. With a very special birthday shout out this morning to Elizabeth Taylor. Not the famous actress, but still a very famous woman in her own right. And uh, Mrs. Murphy called to wish a very happy birthday to Elizabeth Taylor from Evergreen Street, who turns 83 today. A lovely lady. She sadly lost her husband, Michael, just a few weeks ago, but all of her family and friends are thinking of her today. So happy birthday, Elizabeth Taylor, 83 years young today. Get in touch, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. With regards to Con and Aileen's reindeer out in the Toker Road, uh, I got Cornelia um, on the phone from, is it McDee's Home and Garden? Is that what it is, Cornelia? Yeah, so um And so didn't you guys take up. over from the old Griffins, wasn't it? That's 
That's correct, yeah. So out here in the site out in Dripsy. Okay, so the Griffins Garden Centre in Dripsy's reopened again under the name McDee's Home and Garden. That's correct, yeah. We've taken over the lease down here. They have two stores in Galway and now they've moved into the Cork Market. Well, well done. So you're the manager of the new centre in Dripsy. And you heard my correct. conversation with Con Lux for Digia. Um, I didn't because we didn't. We don't have music on here, but I got a phone call um, to see would we help out and I said yes, for sure. How can you help them? Well, we can give them a reindeer, whatever they would like. If they'd like to come and pick out something, we'd love to, to sponsor it for them. Have you got them there? We have. Loads of them. Big, loads of different types. Big ones, like? Yes. And do they light up? Yes. So we have battery-operated ones, we have plug-in ones, so, and different colours. So we have rainbow, we have cool white, we have warm white, whatever they would like to... He, to thinks, their, he their thinks to replace each one of them would be in and around €200. Euro. Is that a correct cost? Uh, yeah, well, our prices here would be very good. I'm looking at one here now. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's two hundred euros for one here that looks like he's running. Or yeah, we'd we'd have different types of them. Okay, so we, Cornelia, thank you so much. Will you hold on to that for us? Because they'll be delighted I to hear that. Of course. Okay. Yeah. So that would be no a, a, a rainbow of color reindeer, if you like. We yeah, we have one of those. You can have one that's in a multicolor, or if you want one in a plain color, we can do that as well. You're the greatest. Thank you so much. You, okay. What about the you opening the cafe as well, or what do you do with all of that? No, so the restaurant is currently closed, but we do have a lovely um, barista. We have been and back coffee van here in our um, in our covered area with outdoor seating as well. They do delicious home-baked goods. I'm delighted to hear because we're hearing way too many businesses closing. It's great to hear one opening under new management. So well done for that. And thank you so much for your generosity. I appreciate it. No problems at all. Lovely to talk to you. You too. Cornelia Creedon, the manager of McDee's Home and Garden. They've got reindeers, so that's one of them sorted, which is great news. They physically have it. And we've got dibs on one of them. Put a label on it. But Conan Aileen um, Luxford's name on that one. Meanwhile, let me just stay with this for another while. Kevin Cummins joins me by phone from Cummins Sports. Kevin, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? How goes it, my friend? Uh, not too bad, no. Not too bad. Thanks very much. Okay. You, you uh, heard Con and uh, Aileen's predicament? I did. I was driving around and I heard it and we'd be delighted to help out. Delighted. I'm thinking an awful lot of it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. There are another lot. Something so small and as you know, you couldn't put a price on what Katrina does for the penny dinners. So, you know, it's only a drop in the ocean really. Every single penny raised year in, year out by the Luxfords goes directly to penny dinners without a single discount. But the cost of electricity this year will be doubled. You know, to turn those lights on for the family could be well over a thousand euros. So exactly, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're you're very kind. Where where are Cummins? I mean, where are Cummins now? I know you got you got a whole load of different shops, don't you? Everywhere, I suppose. We're in um, the city in Blackpool, North Main, Princess Street, and you go a little further to Fermoy, Middleton, Bandon. Um, so yeah we've got two stores around, the, around is, the county Isn't it amazing how it's gone from strength to strength and how's business in spite of everything people are going through? Uh, a bit of everything Neil ups and downs and you know yourself everything is tough Staff, staffing is hard to get staff and, but I must say I mean court people you know are fantastic and we've got our fierce loyal loyal um, shoppers and you know everyone appreciates that And so you so, should and looking forward to hopefully a big Christmas Oh, hopefully, I think the whole the whole country really needs that, and I think if you know, if everyone shops local, that old saying, you know, we'll hear a lot. I'd imagine over the next couple of months, but if everyone shops local, you know, oh, Cork will do well. Cork will do well. Listen, the importance of people, hearing tills so ringing. Realizes it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think people realize the importance really of shopping local, and you know, it's 
you know, it's massive. And you know, I so. find a lot of the time, you know, prices, it's all very well clicking the old keyboard or doing it, chasing the mouse on your laptop or whatever and buying yeah. online. But a lot of the time, the prices are well matched, you know. They are, and they are. You know, but people just, I don't know whether it's just easier to go online, but, you know, prices are, are good around Cork City as well. And we like to think that we do match online. Um, you know, people just got to get into their local shop and have a look first, maybe, you know, before they do jump online and, and go abroad. So and You're it, dead it right. does make a huge difference. You're dead huge right. difference. Well listen, you have loyal customers and you're loyal to Cork. We do. And it's we just do. a little we way do. of paying back and you want to sort out a reindeer for Con and the family. And thank you yeah, for so it. I mean, Kevin. If, that, if that lady has a second reindeer, I mean we'll we'll take another one off her, you know. And then um, <laughs> can collect the two of them out there at one time. You see, that's the businessman in you, you know, that's the logistics yeah, yeah. sorted. I'm the fool, yeah, you've we'll solved my problem. Well done. I, I, I let you off the hook there, Neil, you don't have to dip in at all, we'll, we'll cover your when you're grand. Yeah. We well, know the, things are tight there. The mortification of it, all oh, things are tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kevin, you're very no, good, my good man. Way. Thanks for getting in touch. Appreciate Thanks, it. Neil. Thank support you. Commons this Christmas time. They support Cork and have done for generations. And it also is a wake-up call to us where, if at all possible, to at least try and shop local this Christmas time. I know people are pinned to the collar and what have you. Text 0868104106. If anybody else who's got in touch this morning does want to help with Con Luxford's light switch on and all of the proceeds going directly to Penny Dinners and you would like to contribute... Um, we'll sort it out when we get off the air and I'll see if I can just organise for um, you know people who can touch with me offering some money uh, to Con and the light switch on to call him directly because I don't want to be dealing with, with the cash so it give you an opportunity to you know to organise a few bob if you want and give it directly to Con and then ultimately it will all find its way into uh, Cork Penny Dinners and of course um, for many years now we'd be lost without her the woman behind that notwithstanding all of the volunteers and the staff that work alongside her Cork Penny Dinners is Katrina Toomey. Katrina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So isn't that a typical example now of Cork generosity at a time of need? Two reindeers yeah. for Christmas for an appeal that raises cash for you guys. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I was just saying that this is what carries us in Penny Dinners. You know, we don't do this alone. There's the people that come in, the volunteers, all of us, and then there's the people that carry carry us. And, and, you know, they carry the load for everybody who's struggling at the minute. But Cork people always, they never cease to amaze me. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. I have at least a dozen, maybe more texts alone from people who want to just buy a 200 euro reindeer, you know? And I think it's incredibly kind. It's just incredibly kind, isn't it? It is. And do you remember when they first put on the lights, it was you came out to switch them on. That's right. right. Everybody was waiting for you to come (laughs) and it was a very... It was very kind of powerful and emotional because it's in memory of their daughter, Katrina. And Karen Kramer sang You'll Never Walk Alone, right. which is her favourite song. And kind of for the for Con and Aileen for, to do that, you know, and how emotional it was for them kind of rippled over onto us as well. You know, we were emotional as well, knowing that it was something that they wanted to do for her memory but it must have been very, very hard. And you know, them. like seven years ago when that, when that happened, yeah. like, I don't know, I, I almost was going to say we, we lived in simpler times. I know we didn't, but it was before yeah. COVID, it was before the war in Ukraine, it was before the financial crisis, before all of the utilities, yeah. gas and electric and just trying to pay your bills came along. But, but yeah. for you guys, the pressure is never off, even before COVID, no. for God's sake. 
No, and our numbers have been growing steadily over the years. And of course, obviously now with COVID, you know, it put a new a picture on it, a new face to it. You know, we had to do different things. We had to adjust and adapt so that we could, you know, be of service like we always are. The main thing is that nobody goes hungry on our watch and we go in with that in mind and we leave after doing that and I think that's something that bonds all of us as volunteers together where you know we're a team and with the you know with the businesses now coming on board the way they have you know and it's it's amazing that Griffin's Garden Centre like were so good to us down through the years they treated us like family they had us out for everything and they they looked after us, they left us sing, they fed us. They, that was Margaret back in the day, yeah, yeah. Margaret is just some woman, but her family and her staff are the same. And then we have Cornelia McDees, and they were on straight away, and Kevin from Cummins. And, you know, it, it's just so lovely to hear that we, we, we do have that wind beneath our wings. Well, if people sorry. want to contribute towards the Luxford Fund, I will encourage them to do yeah. so and uh, swap all sorts of numbers. And if people want to text a pledge between now and midday, that would be a wonderful thing. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, though, I see Sarah Horgan's Echo article this morning, Moneylenders. Did they ever go away? No. And, you know, they're going to increase now because the demand for them is is getting bigger and bigger. And you see, years ago, people would kind of, you know, they'd go to moneylenders, you know, to get something extra maybe or to just get them out of a rut or something. But no people's hands are forced, they have to go to the money lenders because they have nothing left. I know. And they have Everything is exhausted, their bank funds, credit union funds, if they had them in the first place because, you know, a lot of people are strapped all the time and we now have the new poor, which are the working poor, <coughs> and there could be two people working in a house and their budget just doesn't stretch it doesn't stretch with, over with, everything. Without, without names or anything like that, when we say money lenders, because I know that there are companies, legitimate registered companies, who loan money to the public at very high interest rates. So that's one section. They have offices mm-hmm. and they have staff and everything. But are you talking about a different kind of money lender known in the no, community? I'm, 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 no, I'm talking about those. Their interest rates are very, very high. And they know that people will come to them because the people are stuck. And the they'll turn to them but there's also some other money lenders that are out there as well and that they just um, you know they're, they're probably not registered or whatever they're just known and locally in the community they're as known the locally yeah what kind of interest rates well. have you any idea that, like say for instance on, if somebody were to borrow 100 euro would it be would it be pay back 150 or would it be something more something like that so, and, and it could be more in some instances you know so and it is you hear it from people and when people are stuck like if you need 50 euros to pay a bill and you know that it's needed or otherwise like things are going to take a, a huge turn for the worst where your bills are concerned and if you turn to somebody you, you're not thinking about how much you're going to have to pay back but what you're paying back then is coming out of the budget that you can't stretch to meet all bills it's hopeless if that makes any sense it does it's a hopeless sense. situation yeah, yeah. And, and that's what's happening to people and again you know like all of these things were heading into 2023 and we're heading into a very, I'd say, tough year for a huge amount of people. Businesses are closing. People are losing jobs. You have owners of businesses, you know, not taking on staff, trying to fill in the hours themselves. I get family members to do it. They just can't afford to pay. But you're, you're around well. town. I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you as such, but I, I see a lot of ads on, in, in shop windows looking for staff. 
you know, they have that up there as well, but maybe it's the minimum wage. Maybe it's not enough for people. Yeah. Do you know, com- commuting to work. Yeah. Like we have, we have one guy like that pops into us, like, you know, for a couple of sandwiches, you know, and he has to go all the way down to Little Island. And what it cost him to go down there is the money that he could be spending on food. I know, I know. So it's, I know. Either, it's, yeah, either, yeah. it's either walk all the way down to where he's working and sure, you can't do that. It could be minimum wage or it might be a part-time yeah. job or it might be 15 hours a week. And when people do the maths on that, it's not worth their while. No. And so, you see, that's why we do need it. Like, the government will have to increase minimum wage and they'll have to make... And not alone that, like, they, they have to look at why people are struggling they have to look at other, you know, it's not just the minimum wage. They have to look at what's causing all of this. And again, it's it's lack of finances, simple as. So people aren't being paid enough for doing an honest week's work. And even with, with doing, you know, overtime and stuff, if they still can't make ends meet, well, then there's something serious. And wrong. in the case of this woman that you're highlighting, um, and of course, her anonymity is always protected, Fair play to yes. you for that. Did she go to a second money lender to pay off the first money lender? Was it? She she didn't actually go to pay off the first one, but she had to pay like three or four weeks that she owed on that one, and then pay for the other thing that she needed it for, and that was a household bill. And like, so she had two money lenders on the go then. She had, and even though she paid one the three or four weeks that she. She dodged them, in other words, like they were her words, and she had to. And, um, like you know, years ago, like there was old stories of, like, say, if somebody came, you know, if, they, if there was somebody collecting money, you know, from a house every week, like that, they'd, you know, you'd hear people saying, Oh, I'll dodge him this week, and whatever. Well, you kind of can't do that anymore because it creeps up too fast. And in some instances, people are dodging the first one and then they get a second one. They'll pay the bit that they owe to the first one and then they're left then having to pay off the first one plus pay a second one. And of course, the end result in that then is if it's... Misery. Well, also, uh, a court order will appear, won't it? A red letter. Well, that's that's what will happen to people. And look at the pressure they're put under. Look at the mental health. Our country is riddled with mental health issues at the minute all all over the whole country. And if that's not a sign at the times... And what is it saying to us that there's something wrong? Mm. There's something big, 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 you know, that's wrong out there. And this is where the government has has a duty of care to its people. Mm. They have to look after them. We're, we're short of hospitals. We're short of, you know, mental health places for mm. people to go. We're short of lots and lots. Look at the people. You, you know, you'll often hear people say, no, there were 78 people on the trolleys. What about the people that are sitting out in the waiting room? For days on end. Yeah. What about the people who can't get an appointment or can't get on a waiting exactly. list? So are we, we're heading into the winter then with more and more people struggling. Does that ultimately mean that children will be going to school hungry? Or where are we with school meals, do you know? Has that been rolled out more? Do you know, like, the, you have to say, the, it is, the, you have to say the principals and the teachers really step up to the mark. They're very, very good. Like, they're, they're as the, the, the primary, you know, as the you know, to teach the children and stuff. But no, they have to look out for their, you know, if they're hungry, they, they have do. to look at all of that yeah. like, and stuff. So, and They're dealing with their physical and their mental like. well-being. Isn't that the case? Yes, of course. And sure, you know, like some children can go to school without food and they're okay until small lunch comes. They're just like that. They don't eat early in the morning. But for majority of, of children, if they have to go to school hungry, and they've nothing to start their day with. Like, can you imagine how miserable they are going to be until small lunch comes? 
how can they think tra- straight? And these are small children. But the schools, the schools, not alone do they help the children in the school, they try to help their families outside the schools as well. So, like, it, it's a bigger picture as well when you look at it because the, the, the schools do take on uh, and they take it seriously. They look after their children, they look after their families. I, I suppose what I was trying to work out is as to whether, you know, all schools now provide hot hot food because my understanding of it would have been in desh school areas, you know, in disadvantaged areas that were catalogued yeah. as being disadvantaged areas of, of a city or a suburb. Um, is it still limited to desh? No, I think the government have said like that, that that all schools should be getting it, but I know they're not all getting it at the minute. And um, I, like I think it's something that that option should be there for all children, no matter what school you go to, because we hear of pupils that are in fee-paying schools as well, and their parents can't afford the fees, and the schools are having to step in and you know and you know offer a waiver or something to the to the parents to keep the children. Yeah. Could you imagine taking your child out of a fee-paying school? in second year or third year or in fifth class or sixth class and taking them away from what he's kind of grown up in, that can be detrimental to a oh, child as well. Oh, taking away from your friends, so, yeah, and what you're used to. No, yeah. 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 yeah, so would you, you could have a family with four children and a mother and father coming for six dinners. You could, and that happens. And like, you know, you just, you just give them and you look at them and, you know... You'd love to be able to do more for them or you'd love to be able to stop having them to come to us like that. But we can't. All we can do is give them to them and give them more. And, and if they have children, we love to throw in loads of extras for the children because it's children. That's what they want, you know. You know. And if nothing else, we always work off the principle I'd rather be looking at it than for it. And, and, yeah. and, and how are you doing for supplies then? Because you, ha- you can't just magic everything you need to produce what you do. No, like yesterday, I know Khalidi had a vintage run for us and Cove Ramblers had a, another food drive down in Cove around the handy. She organises that. And there's loads of other food drives, you know, go on for us. Duns are very good to us in, in that um, they have trolleys out and people can donate into the trolleys and all the duns for us and then we collect them and stuff. But people do loads of stuff for us. If somebody comes in and volunteers from a company, they go back and they have a food drive in their company. So we do have people that come on board and that look after us. It could be once a year or it could be more than once a year. Mm. And for that, we're grateful because it will be practically impossible to roll out the service we roll out if we didn't have this behind us and if we didn't have this this safety net of the goodness and the kindness of people of Cork and further afield. They're yeah. absolutely incredible. So is it, is, it, is it food drives you need? Is it clothing drives you need? Or is it cash? It's, you know, the food drives are always very helpful. They really are. They, and I think, like, even if somebody can just put in a tin of beans or a packet of soup, everybody's able to contribute to the food drive. So I think that kind of helps everybody. You can build hampers out of all that then for families. We can. We can. Now we shop a lot and it costs us a fortune to shop as well for that. But without without the food drives and without that help, it would be much, much, much more. So we're lucky in that feel like that people recognise this and they do that for us. And of course, coming up to Christmas, you know, we'll be encouraging people if they want to do something, do something practical, you know, for a family. Like even pick pick a child and dress the child, you know, underwear and 
uh, you know, a, a tracksuit or a, a jeans and a jumper or a dress and a pair of tights, you know, something like that. And he, even if not, like even that, just one pair of tights could help a family. How would they, but how would they go about that, saying, OK, I am going to do what she has just said and I am going to dress and provide all of the clothing and Christmas presents for a child in Leaside this Christmas? How would they do that? Just pick an age and go and go and get it and just pass them into us and we'll pass them on. That's the way it works. And like our team that we have now in, in the warehouse at the minute, like they know they're geared up for Christmas. Our plan is in place. And even if it's if it's more than what we, you know, that we're reckoning it's going to be, we'll have a plan for that as well because yeah. we always have a plan. I think they just fall into place for us. So we're lucky, you know, there's a bit of a magic like with Little Hanover Street and Side and Penny Dinners and, and we have miracles every day of the week inside there. And, and you know, <coughs> that's how we go forward and we go forward knowing that we're looked after, we're cared for by the people of Cork. What What they do for us is amazing. I know. You, 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 jeepers, like you could never just put a, and the lovely phone calls, you know, like we got a letter now the other day, you know, all I can, all I can offer you are my prayers for the minute, but as soon as that changes, I'll do something for you. Mm. Like, the thoughtfulness that went into somebody to send us that, you know, and then, can you imagine we're all there then and we're reading it out and we're, ah, oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah. You, you get a lot of bit of strength then to go on and yeah. that's kind of yeah. how we continue. Yeah. And, and we know we have to do it because you can't stand there and look somebody in the eye like and just say, oh, you know, I have nothing for you. No, and of course, it's never happened. You know, no, and we have a load of people that would say, oh, there's people going down that don't deserve it. There's lots of people coming to us and nobody knows their circumstances at all. Yeah. People kind of, you know, have to carry that in their hearts, you know, and, I think people should let that go, actually, that kind of narrative, you know, walk in let, my shoes is what they should be thinking, yeah. not judgmental it, it, does, it doesn't do anybody, and you no. know, we're non-judgmental, it doesn't do anybody any good, no. least of all the person. No, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you were second-guessing everybody or interviewing not, everybody or... Not, no, not asking questions all, like no. that, yeah. No, All right, no. okay, all right, well, let's, can, let's it, continue the, the awareness. Can, can I just say one thing? You were talking there about an Elizabeth Taylor. I have an Elizabeth as well. She's Alicia and she's 21 today. My daughter. Oh, so. what, a, what a special birthday that is then today for Alicia. Isn't it? Yeah. Mammy's yeah, very so. proud. Happy 21st oh, birthday. Yeah. She's, she's the baby. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, do stay in touch. It's about creating awareness and people can help in any way they want by either calling with support to Hanover Street or checking you out online. Katrina, thanks so much. Mind yourself. Thanks, Neil. As always, take care. Appreciate that. Sad story of people turning to money lenders. Years and years ago, it used to be the pawn. um, But uh, actually, pawn shops didn't go away either. They're still existing. They're not necessarily called pawns, although I googled pawn shops recently on Lisa about about a month ago and two different well-known establishments and Elise said came up on a search for uh, pawn. Text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 and help Penny Dinners in any way you can. Back after the break. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, yesterday you shared a story with me on my own Instagram page or at least I read it and saw it yesterday afternoon and I was horrified by what I was reading. It's the story of your 13-year-old brother, Jack Tell us what happened on Monday, the 3rd of October, 6 p.m. Where, yes, when, so on, what? Yeah, so on Monday, October 3rd, between 6 and 5 past 6 in the evening, my brother was walking with my partner's nephew um, by the lights up by Vincent's Clubhouse. And, that's up, that's um, up past uh, Blarney Street, on more like Blarney Road area, is it? 
It is, yes, up past the um, the grotto there, just straight up, way up, up past that, way up on, on Barney Road. Yeah, yeah. So up past the very Hill. top, actually. Yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was walking across the road, and it, believe it or not, he actually had his right leg on the pavement, and um, a woman, a blonde woman in a silver car, I'm not sure of the make, clipped his other leg with her car, and he went up into the air and hit onto the ground. Um, and she briefly stopped for for a second or two, took her seatbelt off, looked back and continued to drive on up the road towards didn't, um, we did, know. Didn't get out of the car, stopped, took her did belt off. Not, did th- not get out of the car. Thought about it or something, I guess. I'd say she probably said, oh my God, I'm after hitting a child and whatever happened to her decided to drive away. From she's, been, she's been living with that now since the 3rd of October, since she did that. Absolutely, and you know, for weeks we, I was thinking, will I post, will I not? So I got permission from the guards to post something. I said, look, can I? I said, there's nothing coming out of this. I need to do something. I said, he's a child. He, she could have killed him. Like, she left him for dead. And he said, um, post away, but just whatever you do, do not act on any information that you do get. Okay, Which so so it was, it was Jack's buddy, because J- Jack landed on his head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. his head was the first port contact with the road. So, um, so he, he, an awful, he didn't awful see back. any of this happening, of course, and he didn't see her. It was that his pal saw her stop, take her seatbelt off, and then drive away. Actually, yeah, yeah, my partner's nephew, uh, they're actually best friends, um, and he he actually walked towards the car to say, you just hit my cousin. Well, they call each other cousins, they're best friends, they're, but you know yourself. Um, and he actually walked towards the car, and I don't know, he, and they can't remember, I think it, was, it must have been shock or fright. They don't remember, like, they, they have different colours, they have different makes. They don't have much recollection, but I, I presume that the shock and the fright would do that to, to young kids, Totally. You know? I mean, it's completely understandable that they wouldn't get a reg or a make. But even the mm. car, you're not 100% sure, because I, I, reading my Instagram, it was a silver car, but you're not sure, is it? A silver, um, so far as we know, it was a silver family carrier, but then again, they said it was a Jeep. But the guards do have knowledge. They have clear CCTV footage of the woman and the car, just no registration. Um, I presume they know the make, but they probably just don't want to leave that information to me at the moment because in fear that I would probably, you know, spot a car like that and okay. probably act on it, but which I wouldn't, you know. Okay, but. so they did get, they got CCTV footage from somewhere, as to where she was coming from. itself, actually. Vincent's Club. St. Vincent's Club. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can they, can, can they see the woman or anything, no? They said they can. They can, but they said also to me, you know, and I have to do, I say thank you to Garda Graham McGuinness from Garnabar, her Garda Station, because, you know, he's been very helpful and very kind to us as well. And um, they can see her, um, you know, but he said if he had to trace down every blonde woman driving a silver car in car, he'd be, he'd be lost, you know. Without a reg or a make. That's it. You know, that that's the thing. Um, and also there was a young girl uh, that witnessed the whole thing and she ran straight down home and got her father and I have to thank him as well because he came straight on the scene okay. to make sure my brother was okay before I got there. Okay, you know? so ambulance was clearly caused, were called, right? There was no ambulance called. Um, so it, it, it took quite a bit for the Gardaí to, to come down but when they did come there was a lot of them there. And uh, we were advised then to take him straight to the Amy. What were his injuries? We um, so he had marks, uh, um, abrasions on the knees, um, the fingers, and then a massive uh, hematoma on his forehead. Massive, um, yeah, big, huge, yeah. massive, bloody, now, cut, bruise. I will tell you, it, it didn't seem as serious at first. 
because with Jack, when Jack gets hurt or anything, he gets embarrassed and he'll just jump up straight away and I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And to which he, he wasn't because we were back and forth to the A&E the following day. So they left us go that night. And then on Tuesday... The swelling. Um, the and swelling. thankfully I worked from home because I could be there for him and care for him. To which I would have had to take work off and watch him anyway. But no, the swelling didn't really start on the Tuesday. Um, he started to vomit when he woke up and they told me to come straight in if he started to get sick, delirious, dizzy or anything like that, which ran straight back over to the A&E and we were there again for 10 plus hours, um, back home, taking care of him all the week and it was the following week actually um, it started to swell and his head started to fill up massively. I'm sure you saw by the video I posted. I haven't seen the video but I've seen photographs and they are very very graphic photographs of the mm-hmm. swelling on his yeah. head his brain um, like it, it's it's incredible how your head can change shape like that it's it's absolutely. it's enormous absolutely. by the day by the day he changed every single day to which actually over on by his left eye he had a massive it was like something it was like something that you'd you'd make up for Halloween it was, it was like it was unbelievable. I could not comprehend how this could happen and a woman could drive away from the scene like that. I just cannot understand. And if anything comes from it at all, I just hope to God that that woman is scrolling through Facebook and has come across this post, to which no doubt I believe she has. Now it's after been shared 917 times, to which I'm very thankful for. Well, that's why I said to you earlier in this conversation, you've been living with this since the 3rd mm-hmm. of October. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how she's processing what she did or she's made it an awful lot worse now by driving away. Oh, definitely. You know? 100%. And just if she is listening to know that he had to go for emergency surgery on October 20th, um, he was actually rushed back into the a on the 19th, Wednesday night, between 10 and 12 as the hematoma started to leak. Um, it was so severely infected and it started to leak and um, he was brought for emergency surgery okay. the CUH okay. on Thursday morning of October 20th and all the doctors and nurses and you know they're in the medical profession years that they've never seen a hematoma case like it in their lives. Um, was he ever kept in overnight after the, the hit and run? No, um, which I found kind of strange. Why, to be why, because uh, maybe I'm asking this question because other people are probably thinking it. Did did anybody in the hospital not think that this was going to happen and the swelling, which is very, 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 uh, it, it it looks very dangerous to me from the point of view of potential bleed on the brain. Yes, yeah, that was it. And I was asking for head scans and everything. And it was the following week after the accident. My mother actually brought him up and just said, look, it's filling up. And a trauma surgeon came down and said, look, with hematomas like this, they can take weeks or months, but they will go away on their own. If it's the case that it does not go away on its own. But he um, could have died in his sleep, Donna. Surgery. He could have died in his sleep. There could have been a bleed oh, on the blame. You have yeah. no idea of the stress and the worry there wasn't a wink of sleep had between myself and my mother. Um, I'm like his second mother. There's so many years between us, you know. So, and that's another thing where there's a, a bit of guilt comes in because I was taking care of him. He was up in my house rather than being at home, you know, he like where he lives with my parents. They're, they're surrounded by fields and he doesn't get to go out. So he gets a bit of freedom when he comes up to my place, which is, is fine. But he's gone so recluse now and he was always a shy and, and quiet child. But he started to get a bit, you know, um, out there, a bit streetwise coming up to my to my residence. And um, he's just so different 
now and it's obviously trauma from it is yeah it is in spite of it like notwithstanding the the injuries he suffered psychologically of course it's going to affect him big time so he had emergency surgery on the 20th for clots and the hematoma then that got infected afterwards and then it kept on on leaking and there's the potential of more surgery again no, so it was um, infected before that, and that's why he required surgery then. Um, but since he's had to wear bands to keep the pressure, um, he has um, stitches, and um, it, it's starting to go down, and his head is starting to go back to normal size, but he's, he's actually in a CUH, as we speak with my mother, Vicky, um, at the moment for a checkup, and uh, please God, it's good news. Thankfully, thankfully, you have good news to report, because I have to say... I was quite alarmed when I heard, not really criticising the health system, but that a 13-year-old would be left home. And this is the consequence of being left home, this huge swelling. Four times times he was left home before before, um, anything was really done, to be honest. (sighs) I I, I don't understand that. I, I, I would humbly suggest that it's not good enough, but that's what happened. Are you appealing on this woman to do the right thing? Uh, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with my mother yesterday and I said, Mom, whatever comes out of this, I just hope to God she sees it. I hope she sees it. She must she must not be able to sleep. How how could you go on with your everyday life knowing what you've done? And, you know, not knowing the consequences. Like, she, for all she knew, maybe could have buried, been burying our brother four weeks ago. You know, so she does not understand the stress. Oh, undoubtedly she, she has been living also with the... Um with the with the worry, I suppose, that she did kill him. Mm-hmm. That she left him yeah. far dead, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I feel it was too late to post. Like, I left it so long. But, you know, we didn't know what to do ourselves. We didn't want to interrupt the, the Garda investigation or anything. But it came to, to a point. It was our last resort, really, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, there may well be damage to that car, you know? Exactly, that's it. And somebody must know something. And if they do, they don't have to contact me personally. They can call Grona Barha Garda Station anonymously and just give a tip or whatever, anything, or even come forward yourself. Yeah, if you're listening, just come forward. As, as in, it's an appeal to the woman herself to come forward to do yes. the right thing? 100%. 100%. Face the consequences um, of your action. Absolutely. Like, um, like Jack has been coming to treat with me for years since he's a baby. And I took him up to my sister-in-law's um, place last night. I collected him from my mother's and within an hour he was like, um, if you don't mind, I just want to go back home to where he would always want to stay in my, and he wouldn't want to go back down because he had a bit of freedom yeah, up there. Yeah, no, nightmares. And yeah. With yeah. my partner's nephews and stuff. Yeah. But I even, I got so upset last night and I was talking to my mother and I said, that's just so not like Jack. It's just so not like him. It'll take him a while, but he's got a good family around him and a good sister and a good ma'am. Uh, did you share those photographs online? I did, okay. yes. I, I attached them to the post. Okay, and can we, can we reshare them as well, just to give people oh. a, a clearer idea as to how bad this actually was? Absolutely, no problem at all. Okay, okay. And, and for those that might have any information, they should contact Gronabraha Garda Station on 4946200. Yes, please. I, yeah. We would really appreciate anything that anyone has. But to the woman involved, do the right thing. Face up to the yeah, consequences of your actions um, and do it now. Absolutely. And I, and I would be straight up with you here. It, I'm not coming from anger. I'm not coming from... I'm coming from a place of sadness and stress and 
like just understand like if you have kids of your own what would you do if that was them you know what I mean so just, just, just do the right thing do the right thing do the right thing um, people panic you know sometimes it's not the first of time course. I've heard of this happening uh, it would be it would be great if the Garda Shikana can get whatever they need to solve oh, this yeah. the reg of the car is all that's needed isn't it really that's, like, it. You know? that's all that is needed yeah. and again uh, you know it's, it's uh, she could have panicked she could have anything I, I, I'm a very understanding person look accidents do happen but we could have very well been burying our brother a few weeks ago so okay, okay. just understand that Okay oh, Hold on there a second if you, if you, if you will Judith uh, good morning Hi Neil Good uh, morning do you Just wanted to pick up have you got a son in the CUH? Yes and the same day when Jack had his uh, surgery so actually I met Jack and his mom. Okay he, so your was your lad in the same room as Jack? Yes okay. on the puffing board Okay, and did they, and the puffing board, and did they tell you about what happened to Jack? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what happened to your own son? So on that day in the morning, I was dropping my um, daughter to school with my son, who is two, and my son had a febrile seizure on the way, so I had to pull over because it was quite uh, frightening, and there was only one lady who pulled um, over as well, and she asked me if she could help me and then I said no because we had these episodes before so I know how to manage them but, but it, the but, and you managed asking. to get him to hospital of course but this is an example yes. of somebody who did stop to, to, to ask if they could help you yes and when we got home I actually sent you a message on that day and I wanted to thank you to the lady who stopped by and when I received the call back on air, we were already in the hospital, so I had no chance to That's talk. okay. Don't so, you worry about that. i just like yeah. to try and share good news stories, if at all possible. But you saw poor old Jack when he came in. You must have got an awful fright, because I know the family were up to 90. Yeah. So first I was afraid to ask them, because I didn't want to be, you know, offensive or anything. What happened? Because I just got, I just saw a, a big... Uh, bandage on his head but uh, we were spending a few days there so I found out that uh, what happened to Jack and his mom Vicky told me that he was hit and the lady just drove off and they tried to find the driver and there was a CCTV that played That's right. but That's that right. was not recording yeah. just live or, and, it, and then they were just too busy to to look for the driver because uh, the hematoma actually started to grow and they went to the hospital That's right. and they were sent home with Panadol <laughs> and yeah so I know the story. Yeah, and yeah. And, and again, sending a child like that home from hospital sounds like, um, you know, uh, it's you're taking a real gamble on it, you know, when a child is hit by a car yeah, and lands and on their head. The same story happened to my son because I was called in, because I sent a message uh, to his consultant and uh, he has an underlying condition as well. So he is high risk uh, for having uh, epilepsy or epilepsy-like seizures. And uh, I sent them a message and I also forwarded the video of the seizure-like episode. And we were told to go to the emergency straight away. I can't wait. I'm not, I, won't, I won't be able to pick up my daughter, so I had to organize everything in five yeah. minutes. And we drove to the emergency and uh, we, we were told to wait. And then actually I had to make some 
some drama. Yeah. And uh, yeah. in the meantime, while we were waiting, he had the longest episode in his life. And uh, he was put on oxygen. He got to bed. He got IV lines. And then I was, you know, I was just freaking out because you have to wait for divorce to get seen. Yeah, but maybe uh, maybe you just landed on a very, very busy day. Uh, actually, since then, we were in hospital once again, but just one night. And it was the same. Okay, okay, okay. So, unfortunately, right. we go to the hospital very frequently. So, it's the same all the time. Okay. Unfortunately. Well, but, one, but good news, once you are in, I mean, once you are up in the ward, any ward... It's much better. Okay. So it's totally different. Okay. Well, yeah. you'll be you'll be happy to hear of the update that Jack is making a recovery. It's slow and it's gradual, yeah. but he's getting there. And then we were put in a different room uh, because my son was isolated. He had some viral infection, and uh, Jack was also put in a different room a few days later. Yeah. And I saw them again, and I just wanted to say goodbye and take care. And yeah. Okay, well, that's very kind of you to think after them and yeah. think after Jack. Yeah. Thank you, Judith. And I know that the family no will, be, will be happy to hear that. And Donna will as well. Take care. So, Donna, do stay, yeah. do stay in okay. touch. Yeah. If there's any updates or any information that people might come forward with, they'll contact Grona Broher Garda Station anonymously on 49462000, okay? Thanks, Donna. Take care. Our lines will stay open. Text 0868104106 if you have any information. Again, it raises the question of... Well, none of us are ever, thankfully, none of us ever want to be put in that situation. But what goes through somebody's head? I suppose I'm asking the question that they would hit a child like that, stop the car, take off their seatbelt and then decide to drive off. Your thoughts. Text 0868 Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show And I know uh, that lots of you and me included were cracking a lot of nuts across the Halloween weekend particularly the monkey nuts they're the nicest of them all I always think that but uh, another type of nut for you this week the Nutcracker at Cork Opera House and uh, we have tickets to give away for the Nutcracker all week long and just before quitting time today I'll give away two pairs of tickets for the opening night of the Nutcracker at the Opera House uh, and it will run from the 3rd to the 5th of November um, and Cork City Ballet in association with the Opera House Benchmark International presents the Nutcracker this week okay so just before mid today double passes for the opening night which is Thursday the 3rd of November the day after tomorrow so that's right across this weekend and talking about events well done to Tony Cullinan who got in touch about a fundraiser that's happening at the Metropole Hotel for Cork Penny Dinners and it's on the 11th of this month he's got a six piece Joe Dolan tribute act and uh, Penny Dinners High Hope Choir will perform at it as well and the great news in one way is that it's completely sold out um, they said they could have continued selling even more tickets, but it's a sold-out gig. So they hope to have another fundraiser sometime next year. They also had one in May, and that was very successful. They had a lot of good sponsors uh, involved in this, including Suits Limited, Forest Print, and Aaron and Owen at the Metropole, who made all of it happen. So on the one hand, it's great news uh, that the one on the 11th of November is sold out, but it goes to show that there's an appetite for more and all of the proceeds to Cork Penny Dinners. So we were talking with Katrina this morning, particularly with regards to the Luxford family's Christmas uh, lights 
show, which they'll put on again this year at their home in Toker. So a lot of people generously wishing to contribute to that. So I'll come back to it just before quitting time. But my apologies to Olivia Keating. Uh, and I know I've put her under pressure for time, but I ran out of time just before 11. I hope this is a good time for you, Olivia. I'm not putting you under pressure, am I? No, you're fine at the moment. Okay. It's not a great phone line, so let, let, I, but I was very, very keen to talk to you because of the horrific uh, hit and run that you were a victim of in 2016. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, it was June of 2016, um, and I sustained, you know, fairly horrendous injuries, um, but I also had a, a traumatic brain injury. What happened? Um, so I was Cycling. It was the day before the Cork City Marathon, and I went out for a cycle. I was just trying to, you know, still kind of keep moving <laughs> before the, the run. Yeah. And um, I was cycling, and I got hit from behind, and I was put head first to um, a road sign. <sighs> um, and because of that, then unfortunately, um, I I think my helmet got stuck in the road sign, and the driver went on the man behind and I was so lucky there was another lady coming towards me they both pulled in um, and because of them pulling in and getting help straight away for me um, I was incredibly lucky um, I had the ambulance crew come I also had Dr. Jason from West Cork Rapid Response um, without his critical roadside care I wouldn't have made it to the hospital Were you literally um, still attached to the helmet still attached to the road sign? Um, I came down onto the, the kind of the ditch at the side of the road, um, and there was a bit of a wall in it. Um, so that's what broke nearly every bone on the left side of my body. Oh, so, for God's sake! So, like you know, it was a it was a complete multi-trauma um, incident for me. Um, so not alone did I have the brain injury to contend, but I had all the physical injuries as well. Okay, so we're talking so, about a brain a brain injury, um, multiple fractures, including twenty-seven fractures to the face and a broken back yeah and I, I suppose for years I wouldn't even have thought of that but it was it was broken vertebrae I didn't have a spinal injury thank god um, the handlebars so of your bike went through your left leg yeah so like, it, like I, I, I have scars my, my leg is deformed <laughs> my hand is, is the same I have a 10 inch scar down my arm and if I raise it a certain way you, you can see it straight away so you know, and like that's horrific. And it was clearly obvious to the person who hit you that you that they had hit you, like right? Well, at the time, see, unfortunately, like you know, I so I'll never know. Um, the, the person was eighty four. I know he didn't go out that morning to hurt me or anybody, and I know that for a fact. Okay. Um, but I think again, it could have been panic. It could have been a combination of that, just maybe not being fully aware of what actually had happened. Um, You're very forgiving to say not being fully aware, I have to say. One would think it would be hard not to be. But, you know, I had to because I'd never move on. And for me, it was all about, okay, I need to recover. I have two choices here. I can be angry and upset and looking for someone to blame and pointing a finger, or I can focus on recovery, get better as best I can, and get out there and live my life and be thankful at the fact that I still have a life. Um, so that's the way I had to look at it um, like Can you say me, anything about I mean, and tell me that you can't if you can't um, about an investigation into what happened 
Oh no, it, it's all over and done with now. But the um, like, I didn't want anything to happen because, to be honest with you, I just wanted to recover. Um, I just didn't want anything else happening. But um, the DPP decided the the injuries were too horrendous, so they had to go ahead and prosecute. Um, so they did eventually find the driver. Um, I don't wish to know whom that person is because I don't know yeah. there was a court report. But were there consequences for the driver? Let me ask. Um, they were taken off the road for life. Um, and there was a fine given. Okay. Um, so, and again, look, to be honest with you, I didn't want that person, especially at their age, I didn't want them to 84. be prosecuted and put in jail, you know, and I, I was thinking of his wife, his kids, his grandkids. I, I just I just wanted to move on. Once I knew it was him, and that was it, they put their hand up eventually and said it was me. That's all I needed. And I'm very interested as to know, because I'm getting texts, I asked the question, why would somebody drive off in the case of Jack, just before 11 o'clock, yeah. Donna was telling Jack's story. Um, and some of the texts coming back are, are things like no tax, no insurance, no NCT, could have been drink driving, could have been drug driving. They may have had no license. They may have been previously banned and shouldn't been in the car. You know, these reasons for why does somebody panic and drive off? Like, I, I, can, like, and I, like, I can actually understand that. I can understand, you know, you, you've done something, you, you're terrified of what you've done and you can move, you know, you, you panic and you move on. Um, but I, like, I am definitely appealing to that driver because I've heard about Jack and my heart is breaking for him. I wish him, you know, a speedy recovery. Um, and like, I can hear it in his sister's voice. They just want closure on this. And like for that driver of that car, Yes, there, there, there will be consequences. There will, you see, and one wonders whether they yes. will not come forward because of the potential consequences. But, like, I suppose the way I look at it is you will also give this family peace. You can't pay, take back what was done. It happened. Um, there could be numerous reasons for it. But let's say it was a genuine accident on her side, and that lady, whoever drove that car, you know, you'll give this family peace. They can move on. Jack can focus on his recovery. It, it's something he's going to, and it's something that most people don't speak about, but it, it's something that you carry with you for life. Mm. I, I've i made a great recovery. I'm doing my best. I'm out there. I'm trying to be as positive as I can, but it's like a dark cloud that will always hang over me. And just one and, final question regarding this, and I, forgive yeah. me if I'm quizzing you too much. Did that driver who drove away and left you with all of those injuries, did he ever say why he did it? I'm curious as to the reason given. I think it was just down to they didn't realise they had done it at the time. Um, there was um, in, in the paper it said there was like a fly in their eye. There was, there was numerous different things, but like I, I, as I said, look, I know for a fact he didn't go out that morning to hurt me or anybody else. And um, once I found out it was that person and it was the right person that was being prosecuted, because that's another fear you have as well, is it the wrong person? Um, once they put their hand up and said, yes, it was me and it was all over and done with, it just meant that I could focus on my recovery. Okay. And I'm hoping it would be the same for Jack. So I am appealing to that driver, please reach out. You, you know, he's still alive. Thanks be to God, he's not seriously injured. Um but you will give this family peace and you let them move on and this young man will be able to go ahead and focus on his recovery and get better. Uh, I mentioned some of the injuries that um, you suffered, including um, the 27 fractures to your face, your vertebrae broken in your back, the multiple fractures that you went through, including the hundreds of stitches, fractures to your arms, legs, your pelvis, your ribs. 
How in the name of God did you go through all of that rehab and manage to run the Cork City Marathon after that? <laughs> I'm just a bit stubborn, Neil, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and I wasn't going to, I wasn't, you know, I knew I'd never be able to do it the same way I could have done it in the past, but I knew I could still do it, and I managed to do it. I convinced Dr. Jason to do it with me. He never ran a marathon. So to be able to run that marathon that I never got to do with the man who saved my life, you know, like there was plenty of people there who saved my life that day, but one of them, for me, it was just a fantastic... So that kept me training. That gave me motivation to keep going as well. Um, Isn't it an incredible thing to be able to do, having gone through what you did, you know, to pick yourself up like that, literally put yourself back together again and run a marathon? And and not, yeah. and not, to, not to be here this morning with kind of bitterness or anger in your heart. But as I said, like, that's how you can move on. It's, it's like that chapter of my life is closed and now I want to be able to focus on the positive things and, you know, go out there and enjoy life. I'm, I'm so grateful because I, I, like, I, like, I did nearly die and I was in resource for God knows how many hours. Um, you mentioned so a brain injury like as well. Yeah, so like I had a subdural and a subarachnoid, and um, I had multiple little small brain bleeds. They had to drill a hole in my head oh, and release the pressure on my brain. I had to be put in an induced coma. Um, so to say that I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful I'm alive. You know, I'm you nervous just, now on the road, walking, driving, cycling? Um, no, um, I, I, when I could get back on the bike, I actually went up to the place I got hit. And I just started cycling up and down. And I said, okay, if any memory is going to come back, it will happen now. And it didn't. And I said, that's it. You're not going to live in fear any longer. Get out there. And, you know, I suppose I just went out there. I joined the club. So I was with a group of people. Um, but like, I went off and I, like, I went to Vietnam. I cycled across Vietnam because I was like, where's the worst place in the world that you could potentially cycle with the most traffic and people? I was like, great, Vietnam. <laughs> went there, did it. Went to India, did the same. You're incredibly powerful, yeah. Did you, like, do you look at life differently now, having had that life-changing, almost life-ending experience? Absolutely, like, you know, I'll I'll never back down from anything. I'll give everything a go, I'll try everything. Um, In a couple of weeks, I'm not less than a couple of weeks, in 10 days, I'm heading off to the desert and I'm going to run across the desert. Um, no, I won't be able to do it like the other competitors, but I'm still going to do it. That's amazing. It. And is all that for fundraising? Um, well, the Cork City Marathon was for fundraising, um, but everything else I'm doing is just for me. It's just, uh, you know, just so... You're all about challenging yourself, I think, Olivia, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, just a small bit. <laughs> <laughs> just a small bit. And Dr. Jason Vanderveld, who is a, yeah. he's a consultant in emergency medicine in the CUH, but he's also part yeah. of the West Cork Rapid Response Unit, isn't he? I've spoken to him in the past. He's an amazing character. He is. And, you know, like the way I look at it, like, like he's five kids, he's a wife at home. It's a team effort because, you know, he works long days and he's volunteering. Yeah. Um, I got to meet his wife. I got to thank the two of them. Um, but you know, like what he what he does is amazing. What all those people out there do is amazing. Um, like you know, without people volunteering and being part of the ambulance crew, um, we wouldn't have you know marathons. We wouldn't have soccer matches. We wouldn't have cycling events because these people are out there volunteering to they help are. us. They are without um, a doubt. They really and truly are. Yeah, You're an inspiration. No, you really are. You're an inspiration. And good luck, um, good luck with the desert. Which one? <laughs> it's, 
beyond the ultimate. It's 250 kilometres over five days. So... Would you be bothered, like... I'm just going to take it day by day, Neil. <laughs> take it day by day and take plenty of water. <laughs> exactly. Plenty of water now, plenty of sweeties that I get through. And ter- come here to me. Do you have... Is there is there phone reception in that desert? No, um, there's no phone. Um, I won't be able to talk to you as you go along. Which desert is it? Africa? Uh, yes, in the, it's called the Namib uh, Desert in Namibia. In Namibia, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you so, do happen to come across somewhere where there is phone signal, would you ever text me and I call you back on air? <laughs> well, of course. We'll have the we'll have the lols then. All right. I know, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, hopefully I won't be hallucinating or anything at like that. No, no, <laughs> no, no, you did enough for that, I'd say, with well, the brain injury and what have you. That's all behind you now. <laughs> Listen, good luck to you. Well done. You're an inspiration. Cheers, Stay in touch. You. Cheers, Olivia. Cheers, thanks. Bye. Text 0868104106. I get to talk to all sorts of wonderful people. The Neil Prenderville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Okay, I haven't looked at a text from this morning so far, and I will do that in about 15 minutes' time. promise you that. It's just been that busy. I did receive a text, though, from Amanda, who's going to come on air. Here's what the text said, because she was listening to the hit-and-run that involved poor old Jack. In fact, we're going to be sharing that story and those photographs of Jack and his injuries, because this is important. It would be great to be able to help on Garda Shikona with this one, and we'll do it at midday. You can also get in touch with me if you wish, uh, just like uh, Donna did originally on my own Instagram page. If you're not following me on Instagram, perhaps you might might think about doing that uh, because people do send me stories there and that's fine. But Amanda said, good morning, Neil. Listening about that hit and run accident on the radio pulls at my heartstring. Um, my brother was killed in Cork almost 20 years ago in a hit and run and to this day, the person who took my brother's life is still out there. How can anyone do something like this and leave a person to die on the side of the road? It's sickening. Amanda joins me by phone. Amanda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And to this day, you still ask yourself that unanswered question. How can someone leave someone to die on the side of the road? Um, yeah. This is your beautiful brother, Damien, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Damien. He was 20. Okay. We're talking about... April of 2003. Yeah, um, the 10th of April 2003, himself and his friend were coming out of the city on a motorbike. Damien was the passenger on the motorbike and they were coming out of the city after playing pool or snooker or whatever they were doing. And they were coming out the link and they were in the fast lane approaching the dump, you know, by the yeah, Tamor Valley now. I know it, yeah. And the, this car was in the middle lane and they, he just caught across them and turned and the bike just hit the car. And um, he stopped on the side of the road, across the road, seeing what he had done. Witnesses had seen him get out of the car. Um, but he got back into the car and drove off. Was and it during the day? Was day. it night? Was no, it dark? No, it was around 10 past 10 at night. No visibility. It would have been a dark night then. Yeah, It would have been. Yeah, it would have been a dark night. Yeah. But the people were more interested to see with my brother and his friend, okay, you know, they, they weren't looking at him. They just seen him out of the car. They thought, obviously, he's going to come over or something. Yeah. But he didn't. He just got back into the car and he drove off. <sighs> yeah. I'm and not, I'm not saying the, the fact that it was dark has anything to do with why it happened. I'm just trying to paint a picture of a dark night on the link um, yeah. and, and trying to picture what happened. What happened next? Um, the ambulance came and stuff like that. My brother was died on impact. Um um, 
the cameras at the time in the dump, you know, they used to rotate so they weren't facing the road. So that at the time they were turned in to the dump. Yeah. So as they turned around, they just caught a small bit of the car and they didn't get enough of the reg or anything, but it was an old model red golf. Um, and they have some parts of the car, like the wing mirror, some of the side panelling of the car. Um, but that's about it, really. You know. So somebody went yeah. home after doing what they did and driving off with considerable of damage to their red golf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There clearly would have been a fairly substantial guard investigation. Oh, it was huge. It was huge. Like everybody who had a golf kind of back then, like, you know, the guards were going to the house to check the golf. They checked the whole of the country and they just couldn't. There was nothing. They, they even sent some of the stuff over to America to see could they get some information completely nothing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't yeah. that absolutely amazing? And the eyewitnesses couldn't give any more than that? They couldn't because, like, at the time, they were more interested to see, like, was my brother and his friend okay? You know? Yeah. You hear now of Gardy asking for dash cam footage. This was 2003. So it was yeah. a different world then, wasn't it? It was a different world. There was nothing like that then, you know? So you and your family got a visit from the Gardy. Yeah, we were uh, at home, myself and my mum. Uh, I was in my friend's house that evening and I came home and we were chit-chatting. And it's actually strange because my mum said to me, oh, Damien has gone out there with his friend on the motorbike. Oh, he got a new motorbike. And I said, oh, yeah. And it was strange because we started talking about this guard that my auntie was actually dating years ago. And I don't know why it was strange. It came up in the conversation. So anyway, that was grand. We went to bed and around 10 past four in the morning, my brother came up, my other brother, and he said, uh, don't panic now, you know, there's guards at the door. So my mum came down the stairs and um, there standing in front of her was the guards that we were talking about Good a couple of hours before that. And he said when he seen my mum, then he knew straight away because he used to babysit my brothers when he when they were younger, you know. Did he, um, did he, so he, did he babysit Damien? He did, he babysit Damien, yeah, and my brother, Don, yeah. And um, so they sat my mum down and they said, look, um, there's been an accident and we think Damien is after being killed. Uh, Damien didn't have any idea on him at the time or nothing. Um, they could just go by tattoos. So they, the driver of the bike, he had ID. So they went to his house, spoke to his mother. So they gave him a name. So they went to another house and they said, describe my brother to this person. And they said, we think this could be Damien Murray. So that's how they were able to come to our house then to to know, you know. So the whole yeah, world fell just, apart. The whole world fell apart. I could just remember my mum screaming. It was it was horrible. God. It really was. Oh my god. Oh my god. And and that other lad obviously would have been badly injured as well. Damien's he was. Pal. He was in a coma for a couple of weeks, um, but he came out of it. But yeah, we had to go up then and identify Damien because the fact that he didn't have ID on him or anything. So we had to go up then and identify him just to make sure it was him. But it was him. Oh, I remember we went in for such a big for such a big impact of an accident we went in and he just looked like he was sleeping. You know, he just had a small little cut above his eyebrow, but it was all internal because it was such an impact, you know. Oh my God, you had to deal with all of that, of course. And all these years yeah. later, in spite of the very best efforts of forensic science and the Garda Shikana, yeah. uh, Damien would be, he'd be, he'd be coming up to suffering. his 40th now, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'll be 40 next Friday, um, the 11th of November. Now he'll be 40. 
but it's weird because I always say to my dad now and everybody like I can't imagine him being 40 you know he was 20 when he died I'll always remember him as that 20 year old that died how are your how are your mum and dad? How have they coped? I'm asking as a parent myself. They were heartbroken, uh, completely devastated. You know, um, unfortunately, my mum died a few years late, a few years ago um, from cancer. So that was another thing. Like she went to her grave not knowing who took her son from her. You know. There's a little plaque in the dad, spot, isn't it? Yeah, he lives with her. Obviously, he does. You never get over that. There's a little never. plaque, I think, at the at the scene, is there? There is. Yeah, his friends got together and put some money together and got that put up for him, you know, just outside where the outside the gates of the dump there. And you say that there was an extensive public appeal that involved a was, reward, a yeah. reward for information. There was. There was a ten thousand euro reward put up for Crime Stoppers and everything, um, and still completely nothing. Not a single lead. Nothing. No, nothing at all completely nothing although you, you you've know? got to be asking yourself the question how does somebody hide a car so badly damaged yeah yeah how can you hide it you know and then live with it for 20 years knowing yeah how can they go to sleep every single night knowing what they've done to a family you know he literally or he just literally left my brother to die on the side of the road you know stopped you wouldn't do that to just like just recalling Jack's situation this woman stopped took off her seatbelt, and then whatever went through her head, she decided not to do any more and drove off from the scene. She could have left it's Jack dead. This guy, you don't know whether it was a, it was a man, right? It was a man. It was a man, yeah. Stopped, got out of the car, took a look, yeah. got back into the car and drove off. Yeah, and drove off, yeah. Because he was caught on camera then um, in around Turner's Cross somewhere, but they still couldn't get the reg of the car. You know, I suppose the quality of the cameras then weren't as good as they are now, you know. So, do you think that yeah. it's never too late, though? I know 20 years on. It's never too late, Neil. It's never too late. What difference like, would now, it make to the family were you to know? You know, I, we're not really angry. I'm not really angry. I don't want to see someone, you know, go to jail for the rest of their life. We just want to be able to put a face to the person who took him, you know, to give us some closure you know, to leave my brother rest in peace, you know? But he's not. He's still out there doing God knows what. We, we don't know. Yeah, because there can be no reason acceptable to anyone to drive off in that way. But you probably no. ask yourself that question over and over. Why? Why did he drive yeah. off? Why? Yeah, all the time. I mean, you wouldn't do that to an animal. You wouldn't leave a dog die on the side of the road, you know? Yeah. yeah. To do that to a person i got a lovely text here. It may be some consolation to you. Marie uh, was just in touch with Kevin there in tears. She said that she used to live near uh, your grandparents uh, and she knew you, Amanda, and she knew Damien. And she says she can't believe it's been 20 years. Um, she said she often wanted to uh, console you, but just didn't have the strength. Yeah. Uh, I imagine you probably found people were very consoling because it must touch the whole. What, 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 where, where did Damien live? A part of Cork? We're Douglas. In Douglas, yeah. There must yeah. have been a massive outpouring of grief then. Oh, unbelievable. I remember his funeral. He came in with a big Cork City uh, supporter. You know, he'd always go to the games. And I remember the night of his removal, there was a Cork City match playing. And um, as we were walking past the grounds, all the supporters were kind of coming out after the game, you know. And they all kind of joined in with 
the with the walk up to the Ballyhan Church then, you know, it was nice and the flag in the stadium was taken down and it was put over his coffin and the goalkeeper at the time and the manager at the time came to his funeral and all and done a reading for him. I know. And what did you he know? want, what were his plans for his own life, Damien? Do you know what he wanted to do? He didn't have much plans. He was just very happy-go-lucky kind of a guy, you know. He was just such a nice person, easy going. You know, if if you if he had five euros in his pocket and you didn't have anything, he'd give it to you. Would yeah, it? You know? I know. He was just such a nice, funny person. I know. You know. I know. I know. And anybody who knew him would say the same. Yeah, you you were you were the child soon after his passing, didn't you? Yeah, I, two or three weeks after Damien died, I found out I was pregnant. I was young. I was only seventeen, and uh, exactly nine months later, then Leah was born on Christmas Eve. Yeah, you know, so even like, I know I was young when I got pregnant, but in one way it helped my mom, you know, in the aftermath of my brother dying, she kind of put all her energy into I know what you're saying. Yeah, you wonder whether these things are planned by somebody somewhere, you know? Yeah, you know, and then for her to be born on Christmas Eve, you know, because my mom was dreading her first Christmas without Damien, but she was so busy then because Leah had come along. I know. Well, what, what does it tell you that in the space of one and a half hours we've had three very serious hit and runs, one, um, two of them d- resulting in life-changing injuries and one a hit and run that resulted in the death of your brother? That's, that's three different stories of people who were involved in serious accidents and drove off. Yeah, it's, it's, I've no words for it really, you know, how can somebody do that to somebody, you know? One wonders whether all these years, you know, when time goes on, you wonder when people become overwhelmed by the guilt that they can no longer carry it with them and they have to confess. You hope that that would happen at some stage. Maybe someday, someday that will happen. But I don't know. You know, I wouldn't be holding my breath or anything. It's been 20 years now. So, you know. Well, let us all remember Damien Murray, particularly on his upcoming 40th birthday, which I believe is only days away, is it? The 11th of November, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah. All right, look after yourself, Amanda, and Thanks your and your dad. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Bye, Take bye. care. Back after the break, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show, Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. Need to take some time out for texts from this morning's programme. Lots of different ones and different topics. Here they are, just a reminder. You can text on anything we talk about. Text 0868104106. You might say how unfair it is to pay-as-you-go customers with Electric Ireland. You know that you have to buy credit to get the credit the government is giving out. I got a text from them about my first what, 200 euro that I'm going to get. It says, the first 200 euro installment of the government electricity credit will be issued from November 1st. You will need to buy a 10 euro top up on two separate dates to receive your full credit. Each top up will give you a code to enter into your meter. The total credit will be applied to your meter. It'll be 200 euro plus your two 10 euro top ups that you pay yourself. And that texter describes that as unfair that you have to buy credit to get the 200 euro credit. Uh, on turf, did I hear you correctly say that you could be jailed if you burn turf to keep your, both yourself and your family warm this winter? Indeed, for the next few winters maybe? People are afraid to use their electric heaters and ovens. People in particular, the elderly, are piling on extra layers of clothing just to keep warm. So what does this mean? Jail if you use turf for warmth but it's okay to freeze to death? Is this another brilliant idea from the Greens? What's next? Banning tractors from the farmers back and putting them back to the horse and plough? 
Uh, when will the Irish citizens wake up and take Ireland back? Can't come on, says Mike and Mallow. Well, you kind of did hear correctly. It's not that they're saying that you'll be jailed if you burn turf. It's that they seem to think they have some way of monitoring the amount of turf that will be burnt in rural Ireland. And on that basis, if you're burning too much, you will be fined and potentially jailed. Don't ask me how, unless it's people snitching on their on their neighbours. In fact, one texter says the only way they'll be able to find out who's burning the turf is if their neighbours are spying on them. Somebody says, I got 90 euro on my smart meter for the gas. I thought we were supposed to be getting 200. Has anyone else only got 90? Here we go. Huh? Well, if that's the case, that means that they're even managing to confuse something as straightforward as that. Lots then on uh, the jazz. And thank you for that. Uh, I see one or two people not 100% happy, though, particularly those uh, who went to Kinsale. Tom and Myra said, We went to Kinsale for the jazz on Saturday, as I have done for donkey's years. I was so looking forward to it after COVID, but boy, what a disappointment Kinsale was. Now, Tom says, uh, What has happened to a town that used to be so great? Acton's Hotel, the former hub of the jazz, didn't even bother to host a jazz band. The Trident had some Greek music going on. The Folk House, Shanachie and the Mad Monk pubs, all gone. The buzz is gone from the town. It's like they've given up and it's such a shame, really. I'm alarmed to hear that, I really am. Unless it's a case that Actons didn't have jazz on when you were there. Maybe they had it on in other times. But would somebody please come back to me and defend Kinsale over the long bank holiday weekend, particularly with regards to the jazz? And what has happened to the Folk House, the Shanachie and the Mad Monk's pub? Um... Anyway, come back to me. The Jazz Weekend. Text 0868104106 if you're down there. Many people then are responding to the double benefits for child benefit, children's allowance. Just because someone works, is it, and makes a good living for themselves means that they shouldn't be entitled to child benefit. Huh? It's their tax that's paying for it after all. Why shouldn't they be entitled to it? Well, there was a texter earlier on suggesting that children's allowance should be means-tested. Means testing for children's allowance would be set far too low and would put the likes of me out. My husband works a 50-hour week. I'm a full-time carer. I get €224, but only till September, when we will be ruled out because the carer's allowance means testing is so low. We have two kids and another on the way. My partner gets 50 grand a year. After tax, it's about 35,000. Our rent is 1300 a month. Along with the rest of the bills, we barely make ends meet. But that's never taken into account when they talk about means testing things. They means test before tax. That's cruel, actually. Means text testing uh, means testing a gross salary, isn't it? It really is. Because 50 grand isn't 50 grand, as you say. In your case, it's 35 grand you have to spend. So with a disabled child and two others, a partner working 50 hours a week, and me having to... to be home to care for our disabled child, we barely make the bills every month. If our children's allowance was taken, I wouldn't be able to afford Christmas or birthdays full stop. Means testing isn't the answer when it's set at 35000 a year. That's barely two people's full-time hours for minimum wage. It wouldn't hurt the higher paid. It would hurt the forgotten middle who get nothing because of low means testing, but are struggling even on a good wage. Yes, Katrina, to whom he was talking about that earlier this morning. I can't come here to speak, but I felt I needed to text in regarding means testing. It's an unfair system that's before tax, uh, when people don't bring home that monthly or weekly salary at all. Uh, pa says, of all the extra payments you called out earlier on the year, and I did, I called out a list of eight 
extra payments that will be made in the coming months. Pass says, what was there for the self-employed who pay for all those extras? I'll tell you, nothing. Why do we bother? This country is just a parasite, particularly to the self-employed. Again, to those that go out and work and get nothing for it. And there's lots more like that, uh, which I will come back to in the morning. Unfortunately, though, uh, one negative one I see here from the city. I was driving down Washington Street today. It was like a dump. There was one man from the city council doing a great job all on his own, trying to clean it. People are a disgrace. They just dump their rubbish because they can't handle their drink. Could you please give a shout out to that man regarding the very important job he was doing for our city, going above and beyond what his job entails? all on his own. And they do a great job. We don't know half the time the job they're doing because they do it in the early hours of the morning. But talking about um, you know, people not being able to handle their drink, I get it. I mean, you know, it, it can happen to the best of us, don't get me wrong. Um, on Friday, I got the train. I was actually heading to Killarney, so I would have done Cork, Mallow, Mallow, Killarney, going through places like Bantir and Rathmore, and then on to Killarney. I think I've forgotten one stop. Um, but the Cork to Mallow train is the Dublin train. And that was fabulous. And I got my sandwich in the railway station and I got my cup of coffee and I sat in there. But it was the half two, 25 past two train to Dublin. So the train before it was the train that we were taking. And the amount of people getting off that train, it was like incredible to watch them. They were there were people coming home for the weekend, don't get me wrong, but the, you know the way you could kind of tell the type of punter that was coming down for the jazz? There was hundreds of them who were down for the jazz and they were just piling into Kent Station off the train and then they were going off into the city. And I was saying, good for you, have a great weekend, welcome to Cork. And it was fantastic to see so many people. We had to get out of the way, there were so many of them waiting to get onto that train. And the Cork to Mallow train was lovely. If you didn't know it, there are security staff on the train now and they got the big kind of flak jackets on them and they walk up and down the train all the time. And I thought it was brilliant to see. So I'm assuming that was the way and everything was calm and everyone went at their own seat and it was a real cool thing. Then I got on the Mallow to Killarney train. <laughs> and the difference was just amazing. It was amazing. Firstly, there's no one ever took a ticket, right? There were so many people in Kent Station. This is not a criticism. Tickets weren't checked. Just get on the train and go. Then I got to Mallow. Nobody checked a ticket. Got on the train. Got off at Killarney. Nobody checked the ticket. So I could have literally gone all the way for nothing. I didn't. I bought my ticket. But the train was so busy. It was full. So full that people were standing in the carriages and between the carriages. But there was a lot of drink involved. And I think there were, and this is in the middle of the afternoon, quite young. And I guess young people are up for a bit of crack. I have no problem with that. And high spirits. But you know you see a lot of people with plastic bottles that you think has got 7-Up in it or you think that has Coca-Cola in it. Clearly to me, it isn't Coca-Cola or at least there's something added to it because they were pretty out of it. And it got very loud and very boisterous and a lot of jumping and shouting and screaming and chanting and all these kind of things. It was a completely different type of train. And unfortunately, some of the conversations weren't all that. Uh, Let me just say... There was other people who were sitting down trying to do their thing and get to their destination who shouldn't have had to listen to a lot of the conversations that were going on on the Cork to Killarney train. It was like day and night, but no security on it, none whatsoever. And you would think that there should be because I would have thought that a train journey should have been quieter, kind of a little bit more well-behaved. 
than some of what I happen to uh, to witness on the Cork to Killarney train. So very, very different. Anyway, I mentioned in passing. Text 0868104106. Last bit of business before we go. Um, I see Gareth O'Callaghan is, po- is posting something. I don't know whether you saw that, Con. Can you hear me all right? Hi. He's, uh, he's posting something online regarding his own dog who got a bad kicking from some thugs on Halloween night, right? And he's saying um, on Twitter this morning, I know who you are, I'll find you. I don't mean to sound like Liam Neeson, but I'll tell you one thing, you hurt the most innocent, harmless little individual in the world. I'm coming looking for you, so remember what you did tonight. You destroyed this little baby dog. So it would appear that some bunch of yobs um, kicked his dog um, on Halloween night and gave him a bad beating, apparently. Um, so that, that just reminded me of your call regarding fireworks and dogs. Isn't that right? Well, uh, yeah. Last night, the, the dogs walked into the bar, you know, a couple of young lads came in. And it was a Bichon Freeze, you know? Into the Glen Ryan, is it? Into the Glen Ryan bar, yeah. Yeah. And, this, you know, he was just wet and cold in my head, really. We just kept him there, left him there for the night, and I contacted you this morning to try and find out whoever owns the dog. Are they very, they're very small, aren't they, Bichon they Freeze? Small. They're small. Uh, I don't know. Bichon Freeze, they call them anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, so the, so the young fellas found him, is it? Pardon? Did the young fellas find him on, the, yeah. on Blarney Street? They came they, they, into the bar, you know, and he, he followed him in, you know, and they put him outside the door first. And he came back in again, you know, so we just left him there for the night then, you know. And who has him now? I have him. And was he clearly, would you say he was spooked by fireworks, is it? He, well, they say that, don't they? They wasn't in the fireworks, they upset the dogs and that, you know. Big I, time, I yeah. Know, yeah. But yeah. he's a very, very friendly dog, no, you know, and, you know. I have managed to just send it, uh, whoever owns him to give him to, you know. Has he any collar or anything, a name? No, no collar on him, see? No collar on a Bichon no. freeze. That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And he's in very, in, in very good condition now, you know. He was well looked after, you know. Yeah, so there's clearly some family who are missing their family pet. Oh, definitely, definitely. And it is a family pet, you know. Yeah, okay. All right, so if they are listening, they can get in touch. I'd say the dog was spooked by the fireworks, you know. More than lately, yeah. I'll pass on your number to them, Okay. Thanks very much. Fair play to you. Pet owners across Cork um, would need to be, I know, horses bolted at this stage, but people were, I know we shared this online this morning, there's plenty of warnings to keep pets indoors. I'm not a fan of fireworks because dogs hate them, but you should have kept your dogs inside. Well, that's all very well to say. It's a bit late for the Bichon freeze. Common sense will tell you to keep your pets in at Halloween time. There's no way any dog should be roaming the streets and should be kept under control. I I know, I know. Um, For those saying keep your dogs indoor, we did. But dogs' ears are super sensitive and they can still hear fireworks, unfortunately, even indoors. Um, I'm not a pet owner, but common sense says keep your pets indoors at Halloween. Um, aren't people hypercritical all the same when you think of it? Oh my God, I've never heard them so loud and they went on for so long. I had my little dog cuddled up because she was just so nervous. Fireworks should not be allowed in housing estates. Uh, for those that say keep your pets in, they are in, but they can still hear them and they become petrified. One of my dogs wouldn't come out of the bathroom the whole night. Her face was buried into the wall. I couldn't get her to calm down and the other dog was literally crawling up my daughter's back and neck with fright. I don't mind fireworks at all, but they were relentless. Hours and hours it went on for last night. 
up around Dublin Hill. What is it that what is it that it does to a dog, the fireworks, that they get so petrified with fear? I wonder what is it? Because it's not as if it's an up-close, really loud boom or bang. Sometimes it can be way off in the distance. I guess that they're hypersensitive in some way, shape or form. Undoubtedly, one of you guys will tell me. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and email neil at redfm.ie. Two pairs of tickets to give away now for opening night of The Nutcracker at Cork Opera House. And you're going Thursday, which is opening night. Tickets are available at corkoperahouse.ie. So dial for those now. Two pairs to give away. Callers 9 and 10, 0818104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.